Let's do it. Four. One. Boom. Hello, Travis. What's going on? Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Really oh, appreciate man. it. Stoked to be here. It's cool to have you. Hey, so I wanted to talk about what we were talking about right before we started. I've always watched you play drums, and I'm like, how the fuck does that guy's arms not fall off? I mean, you you have so much repetitive motion. I've never understood how you could do that. Just barely. <laughs> no, I, I kind of... Pull this thing like right up like a fist from your face. There we go. I always do battle ropes. Oh, okay. That that must constantly do like I'll do thirty minutes. Um, you know, not high intensity the whole time, but just keep my shoulders and arms moving as I prepare for a tour. But yeah, I think my wrists my wrists probably have gone through the most hell over the years. Like I just feel like just normal people's wrist strength I probably don't have because there's been so much grinding, like they pop and oh Jesus do all sorts of weird things. But yeah, but I'm still. You know, I feel like because I do battle ropes and because I box and the kind of work out fast twitch muscles, I really don't get tired. That's it's amazing. Like, because so many people have repetitive stress injuries. Yeah. You know, I mean, even secretaries they get carpal tunnel. You know, people get who write a lot get carpal tunnel. Kids yeah. are getting injuries on their thumbs from you know fucking around with their phone too much. Yeah, I felt like when I smoked cigarettes a lot, I was feeling kind of the first symptoms of that stuff. Uh, and I wasn't drinking a lot. I was kind of a dumpster on tour, you know, not really taking care of my body, and I could really feel it. And then, you, are you still vegan? Yeah. And the, you run that restaurant, right? Um, was it Crossroads, or it's one of your, your one of the owners? Running it is saying a yeah, lot. I couldn't I mean, do that. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have said running it. No, Tal, Tal Ronan is the man. He's like the illest vegan chef ever. He's like an old punk rock hardcore guy, like... New John Joseph. Yeah, forever. John Joseph keeps trying to get me to go there. Yeah. And I almost went last time he was in town with them. Next time I'm going to make it down there. I think probably 80 to 90% of the people that eat there aren't vegan because it's that good. Yeah, like, that's what I hear. Dana White said is, that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Dana, we, we usually have dinner there when he's in town. So I think for Dana to be able to sit through it and, and enjoy it and Matt Sarah, I think he brought everyone for like – I don't know if it was like Fight Companion. It was like one no, of his it fight was, shows. Yeah, it was uh, Dana White's Looking for a Fight, yeah. that YouTube show. Yeah. yeah. I was on tour, but they FaceTimed me from there. But yeah, Tal is uh, like a G. He's the best vegan chef in the world by far. That's Crossroads. cool. How did you get involved with that? Is it were you were you already you were cleaning your diet up because of your your injuries or because you were trying to keep your body tuned for drumming or you just wanted to clean it up, period? No, I was vegetarian since I was 13. Really? Yeah. And then uh, after my accident, I, I was in the hospital, actually. Long, long story that, that I'll just sum up into this a real a plain quick piece. Accident. Yeah. yeah. And I had to eat meat in the hospital because they didn't have any other kind of vegan options of protein. So I'd eat bags of beef jerky, whatever they would give me, whatever I could stomach and not like kind of like think about what I was eating because I wasn't eating at all. Uh, and I was just ditching my food, giving it to my friends because I didn't want to eat any of it, and I got caught. So long story short, I ate a little bit of meat in, in the hospital, and when I got out, I just felt like the next evolution of my eating would, would try and be vegan. And it was so easy in L.A. because we have so many great vegan restaurants. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I was already vegan. I was actually at a Bad Brain show, one of the, the best hardcore bands in the world to ever, ever do it. And Tal approached me there saying, hey, I have this idea for a restaurant. I'd really like to be, you know, you to be involved. And I said, say no more. Just tell me what you need. Were you I, thinking I was about it at all before? 
of course. Because that's a weird thing to approach someone with. Hey, man, I'm thinking about opening up a restaurant. Yeah. I, I need this drummer. <laughs> yeah, right? No, I think he was just reaching out to friends and family because he was, he was Oprah's chef and he was Ellen DeGeneres' chef. And he was all these, like, you know, really high-profile people's vegan chef when they would, you know, do a vegan diet for however long, some some forever, some just like a two-week thing. But uh, I think he just got to the point where he wanted to do something for himself. And then Crossroads was born, and I knew how good he was. So I just told him, say no more, tell me what you need from me, and I'm there. And then it just, you know, I think it's been five years now. Well, it's got a fantastic reputation. Yeah. I know a bunch of people that have eaten there, and they, they love it. Well, it's not because of me. It's because of <laughs> Tal and his food, for sure. Yeah, Tal and Scott, the, sh- the chefs there are just, you know, the best. Now, how hands-on were you in the – were you just one of the people promoting it? Like, how hands-on were you with the construction of it or – nothing with like the decor or anything he would run stuff by us like hey check this out tell us what you guys think of this as you know there's basically menus change every season so it's not the same menu all year long so as we prepare for the next season's menu he's like testing it on us the you know the season prior Mm. so he'll be bringing out dishes and and letting us try it but yeah he curates the whole thing that's interesting so when he gets his food when he's preparing his food like is he getting his stuff directly from farmers like how how is he getting his food yeah directly from farms yeah so he has to curate these relationships with these farmers and just like go visit them and find out how they're growing their food yeah and and, you know, you'll be all set with a menu if it's fall, but then those same vegetables aren't in season. So he has to rethink everything for the next season and not oh. kind of repeat himself. So he, it's really, he's really got it down to a science. And how long has he been vegan for? I don't know how long Tal's been vegan. I've never really asked. Because it's got to be incredibly difficult to be a vegan chef. I would imagine being a regular chef is difficult, but when you put all those restrictions... You know, and you just you have to make things taste interesting and, and different. And Yeah, I think that's where Chef Scott comes in because he's actually comes from a meat background. So he was working at Italian restaurants and Italian Mediterranean restaurants that cooked everything. So it was infusing this vegan, obviously, like lifestyle of eating with, you know, Chef Scott's taste as well. So mm. I think he had to think that out to where it would appeal and, and meat eaters would eat there too and not really notice a difference. Because right. I, I agree, you know, sometimes I'll be on tour and you go to a vegan spot and I'll take my bus driver in or my whoever's traveling with me and they're like, oh man, this is rough. You know, like <laughs> they can't stand it. Crossroads is not one of those spots where you're thinking about like, man, I might not enjoy this meal. There's some good spots. In LA has some great spots. You ever yeah. go to Follow Your Heart in the Valley? All the time. It's a great spot. Yeah, that's the spot close to home that I love. Like Follow Your Heart, uh, shout out to Erwan. Erwan has like good vegan options. Uh, Chef Ito, who has a spot in downtown called Aluk, who took a vow of silence 22 years ago. Yeah. What? He's special, man. Yeah, 22 years ago, took a vow of silence. And he's done? No more talking? No more talking. What in the fuck is that about? Yeah. <laughs> so he just communicates. If, if he has a lot to say, he'll write it down. But oh, my God. Other than that, you just read the lips, and I know what he's saying. But he, he shows Whoa, up to... Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. He takes a lot of photos, so he'll show up to, like, punk or rap, whatever, whatever show I'm playing. He's in the pit with his camera, this silent guy who doesn't say a word. 
Yeah, and his his cooking is phenomenal. So, but yeah, L.A. We're spoiled with great great vegan restaurants. That's a fucking trip. Yeah, twenty two years of no talking. Yeah, he also does like this juicing where this year he juiced for one hundred and eighty nine days with no food. Wow, what yeah. did he get down to? I think he was. Pounds? Yeah, he lost about twenty something pounds. Fuck, man. Yeah. He does it every year. Wow. Yeah. He's trying to vanish. Right? He's trying to not talk. <laughs> I don't think I can not do eat. it. <laughs> yeah, intermittent fasting is like as much as I can do. Yeah, I do that every night, but that's the vow of science is freaking me the silence is freaking me out. Yeah. He and I I've never really pried and kind of like asked a bunch of questions why. Because they didn't even have to write a lot. Yeah, that too. But <laughs> no, I've I've been around when people ask him and he just said he wanted a timeout. For 22 years? Yeah. That's a serious fucking time out. Yeah. How old is homeboy? He's got to be probably in his 50s. So almost half his life? Yeah. What the fuck, man? Yep. But he spends Christmas <laughs> with me, spends Thanksgiving with my family and I. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty and everybody cool. just smiles at him? Yeah, everyone just smiles <laughs> and waves, basically. <laughs> he'd be a good guy to sit next to someone who's on coke. Totally. Because they would just talk his fucking <laughs> ear off, and he'd just be sitting there all silent. Yeah, not just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, man. That is, I've never even heard of anything like that. Mm -hmm. Does he make any noises? Does he whistle? No. I've heard him snort one time when he was laughing hella hard, but that was about as close as it gets. So he doesn't laugh out loud? Like, ha, 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 ha? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, nothing. Terrible comedy club audience member. Yeah, yeah, it would be rough. <laughs> <laughs> he has a march, too. It's called March of Silence that happens once a year where you have a bunch of them that basically, you know, that are, and they're basically marching for the March of Silence for like the cruelty of animals and w whatever else. So yeah, I'd he, like to have him on the podcast to see how long I could talk to him for. Yeah, <laughs> just to see what what it would be like. That's He's so strange. Greatest. It sounds cool. I mean, yeah. I love that there's people like that out there, though. I yeah. do. I love hearing those stories. Like the world needs him. You know, yeah. like when you said that, I got excited. Yeah. Like the guy's been silent for twenty. I'm like, whoa. You know, there's something about that. It makes you go, wow. I was talking hell loud when I first met him, and, and he was like, I can hear you, you know? I was like, oh, man, because I was trying to wrap my head around, you know, no one did an introduction going, hey, this guy's silent. Oh, I they just, didn't tell you? No. <laughs> I had no idea. So I'm talking really loud, and he, like, he like just whispers to me, like, mouths to me, I can hear you. And I was like, okay. And then I just figured it out over time. Wow. He's silent by choice. Whew. Yeah. That's heavy. What is he involved in like heavy meditation or Buddhism or anything very strange like that? Yeah, he meditates. I think he has like a lot of kind of Buddhist uh kind of qualities, like kind of I think if if he had to lean in some kind of religion or, or practice it would be that. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. That's a serious commitment, man. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine going twenty two days without no. talking. A day, I think. Any, any anything, I think we'd catch ourselves it being very hard. Yeah, I was gonna get my uh, tonsils and adenoids removed because I have sleep apnea because I have a fat neck. But uh, I found a mouthpiece that I can sleep with that keeps my tongue from falling over. Because I have a when when your neck is thick, your wind hole is smaller. Believe it or not, because the more muscle you put in, the smaller your your hole gets and then if yeah. you have a big tongue when you lay back you can actually block your airway wow yeah and so friends that i know have had their adenoids and their tonsils removed and it, they actually take some of the soft tissue out of your your passageway so you can breathe easier 
But the problem is you can't talk for like seven days. Oh, yeah, that would probably be rough for you. For and, me. Yeah. yeah. And then I wonder if, if Wideneck, you know, like the the the, the internet <laughs> right. phenomenon, I oh, wonder if he guy? has the same problem. Oh, I get, that guy must sleep terrible. Yeah. Yeah, his neck starts up here. It's crazy. His neck starts at the top of his ears. It yeah. works its way to his shoulders. Tonsils out is a, uh, it's a bum out. I did that. Did you? Yeah. Did you have tonsillitis or? Um, nah, you know what I had is I had, I was smoking uh, tons of weed, right? Like, but I would smoke backwoods. Like I loved woods. So yeah. ev- everything. He's right here. I got him right here. Yeah. So I'd smoke about 20, 20 backwoods a day. Oh, that's easily. a lot. Yeah. And I was recording an <laughs> album uh, with the transplants. And I turned to Skinhead Rob and I was like, yo, I think, I think I have something like something's lodged in my throat. Like I could barely breathe right now. And, um, kept smoking. Didn't even, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. And then I went to the hospital that night and they rushed me to another hospital to get my tonsils removed because they were like twice the size that they should be. And then I had a throat infection and then it comes to find out I had what's called like Barrett's esophagus, which is like pre-cancer lining my esophagus from smoking and i don't know i guess just abuse over the years so that was that's what led to my tonsils being pulled out these are serious like when you think about this like you probably shouldn't smoke too many of these because no it's it's just plain tobacco i love i love them though it got to the point where i couldn't smoke joints i couldn't smoke out of a bong yeah a pipe it had to be a a backwood that's where i am yeah, I'm at that spot. I love it. I like them. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? No. See, I did. I smoked a lot of cigarettes, and then I quit smoking cigarettes, just smoked weed, and then I discovered Backwoods, and I was kind of getting a little bit of both. You mm. know, still getting the tobacco that I missed. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, my friend Ari said that he started smoking spliffs in England, you know, and when he was over in uh, the UK, they yeah. mixed the weed with the tobacco, and he got totally hooked on tobacco again because he had quit cigarettes for years. And then he started smoking the weed mixed with the tobacco, and before he knew it, he was smoking cigarettes again. Yeah. So he smoked while he was over there, and then he quit as soon as he was done, and then came back to the U- U.S. Yeah, I feel like they just started smoking just pure weed over there. Just for barely. Years. Yeah. For years, it was both. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand that. Uh-uh. Like, how'd that, how'd that work out over there? Yeah, I don't well, know. But it's still so illegal over there, too. It's like, Jesus yeah. fucking Christ, it's 2019, fellas. It's yeah. times. When I used to fly over there, we'd have to tape tons of weed to our nuts <laughs> just just to be able to, and in our road cases, just so we could smoke over there because they had dirt weed. Yeah. You know, it was horrible weed. But yeah, it was a pain in the ass. It's fucking dangerous bringing that stuff overseas, though. Yeah. Like, if you get arrested, that's that's serious. Yeah, I brought it. So I'd bring it everywhere like that. And we went to what Iraq. What kind of tape? Uh, like gaff tape. It's just Jesus. Worst, man. I feel like you tear the the first layer of your nuts off (laughs) when you go to grab your weed. But yeah, we would do that. And then... um, That's a commitment though. Yeah, I actually brought it. I made the big mistake of not bringing a bunch, but I got to Iraq. We went to Iraq for like right when the war broke out. What was it? Like 2003 or 2004? Mm -hmm. And we were over there and and, uh, scandalous Estevan Oriol, the photographer, he's over there with us documenting the whole thing. And I pull it out because we're at this this airport in Bahrain, but I feel like it's a field and no one's gonna mess with us. And he's like, "Hey, bro, look look at look at the back of your fucking passport. Look what it says." And it says right there, like, "You're basically like they'll kill you if they if they find, you know, you brought any drugs into Iraq or you know where we were, Bahrain." So I did away with everything and I just kind of took up drinking on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not really much of a drinker, but do you still smoke weed? 
I don't. Nah, I have a friend who, who's like a dear friend who's like a cool like young doctor named Dr. B in San Diego. And I called him. He actually removed my my tonsils. And then like a week later, I found out I had what, what was called precancer, Barrett's esophagus. I said, what does this mean, Dr. B? Should I just like kind of like kind of like tone down like how much I'm smoking he's like no this means like this is your warning shot like pay attention stop smoking esophageal cancer is a rough one too Uh, that's what killed Christopher Hitchens really yeah yeah that's a that's a rough one that kills a lot of fucking people once you get it you get it and you're gone basically it's kill I think it kills like I think Hitch said like 95% of the people that get it yeah yeah so I I felt like he's always pretty honest with me and I, I just stopped. Like, I love CBD. Yeah, that's pretty much what I mess with now. But that's all. Do you find the see a lot of people use CBD and they find that it alleviates anxiety and lets them sleep better? Do you find that? Yeah, as long as I take like triple or quadruple the amount that it says to take on the bottle. Right. Because I feel like what I take, if I take what the proper dosage is, mm-hmm. it doesn't do much, but. I'm one of those people whose mind's racing constantly. I'll get home from the studio at one or two, and I'm just like, kind of like figuring out how long I got to sleep before I get to wake up my kids and go to school. And I just sit there with my wheels spinning, unless I use CBD, and then that kind of helps. And then I, I had I have what's called tri- trigeminal neuralgia. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, it's the fucking worst. It's called the suicide disease, because basically all of your nerves in your face are firing all at the same time. So it almost feels like what you feel when you think you need a root canal or you have like a tooth that's messed up. But I got trigeminal neuralgia and I've only had four episodes, but when I do get it, I use CBD and it, it's been amazing. But if you look it up, a lot of people will go, actually go to a dentist, get a bunch of root canals done that they don't need or they don't know how to treat it and usually people kill themselves. Whoa. Yeah. It's gnarly. I didn't really know about it. I just was home one day and I was like, what the fuck? Like there the whole right side here. of my face is burning. Hmm. It's miserable. Chronic pain condition that affects the trigeminal nerve, which carries a sensation from your face to your brain. If you have trigeminal neurology, even mild stimulation of your face, such as from brushing your teeth or putting on makeup, may trigger a jolt of excruciating pain. Holy shit, man. Yeah. What, look what it is up. the cause? What causes that? All different things. They thought like mine, I maybe got mine from impact, like from my accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe little sparring that I've done has, has triggered it. Mm. Um, also dental, when I get dental work done, it triggers it. So, But the CBD stops it. Yeah, CBD, and then if it's really bad, there's um, this medication called gabapentin. Uh, and I feel like that's been a, a, a real great way to kind of like mask the pain and once the gabapentin calms the nerve it kind of deads the nerve 24 48 hours it's gone if it's a really bad episode if it's a not so bad cbd just keeps it away wow they say that a lot of nerve diseases are inflammation caused so sometimes like if you change your diet you can you can smooth some of those out like lower the sugar intake and some of the other things that might be causing inflammation did they give you any advice like that Nah, but around the same time, I figured out I was allergic to gluten, which mm. I really thought was Horseshit. whatever. I was like, yeah. yeah, right, okay, yeah, we need to be gluten-free. <laughs> um, and then I tried it, and, and the doctor I had seen said, well, you really got to try it, though. You got to commit 100%. You got to give it at least like two to three weeks and see how you feel. And I did it, and it was a game changer. 
Mm. Like I felt normal, whereas I'd have a lot of ups and downs depending on what I was eating. And I'm still eating clean at at the time. I'm still eating vegan. I'm eating, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of us can't, you know, digest or or kind of our bodies can't absorb the gluten. Yeah. Well, it's have you ever had pasta in Europe? Yeah. It's very different. Oh yeah. yeah, we have so much shit in ours, you know, so much. Well, it's the Maynard Maynard Keenan uh, from Tool. He explained it to yeah. me because you know he runs an osteria in Arizona. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a guy's a fucking wizard, man. He's got his own winery. He runs an osteria, um, but he uh, said that when and we subsequently looked it up after he told me this in the uh, early turn of the century when they were growing wheat they experimented and changed the wheat to make it more dense so that you could get more yield out of an acre and so by doing that they changed what how your body processes it and there's more complex glutens in like a stalk of wheat like an old old timey wheat like you would get like in italy or france or something like that it's a different wheat it looks different it's it's a much more scrawny looking plant and so if they had an acre of that you don't get nearly as much wheat yeah. And so in America, we said, well, bigger's better. And we made it bigger and better and thicker. And your body has a much harder time processing it. And that's why people get so much inflammation and leaky gut and all these different ailments yeah. that people get from bread and pasta in this country. It's because of this much more complex wheat. But I buy pasta overseas. I buy this, um, God damn it. I'll say the name of it. It's I, I found out about it in Italy that they sell it in America. Just oh, for that reason? Yeah. Wow. Because I can eat it. And if I want pasta, it's not that disgusting. Yeah. Um, here, let me find it. Yeah, I love pasta. I do too. But, but it's just, it's something that I found if I eat a lot of, it just fucks me. So I have to make sure that I don't. Let me find it real quick and I'll pull up the, the name of it. And I felt like leaky gut was like a hoax. I would be like, what are you talking about? I've never even heard about this, but I feel like it's legit and, and they're spot on about that. It's called Morelli, Morelli spaghetti, and it's from Italy. And the type of wheat that they use, it's a very different type of wheat. Like it, it tastes different. It doesn't bloat you up as much. It's, uh, I think somebody explained it to me, like what kind of wheat you're looking for, but what I found is that I, I've tried gluten-free pasta, and it's like, you know what I like better than gluten-free pasta? Spaghetti squash. Spaghetti yeah. squash with marinara sauce is fucking delicious. And yeah. I, I actually sometimes like it better than pasta. But um, They sell that at Air One all the time yeah. in, the hot, in the hot part. It's spaghetti bomb. squash is outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, and it's guilt-free. You know, you can eat it, and you, you, you're not thinking you're, you know, bloating yourself up. Yeah. But we've ruined pasta. We ruined Pretty bread, much. ruined pot. But it, you know, <laughs> it gives you that feeling. You know that feeling you get after you eat a lot of it. You're like, ugh. That's what yeah. that is. Your body's like, what the fuck am I doing with this? Yeah, you're immediately tired. You yeah. feel bloated. Yeah. But if you eat it in Italy, you don't get that feeling. And yeah. you look at those people over there. They're not fat. Yeah. It's weird. It's true. Yeah, I they're mean, walking around all over the place, and <laughs> they're eating pasta. And yeah. Yeah, Europe. Everyone's walking or riding bikes. Yeah. Americans. Well, that's the thing about France too. France, when they're eating those baguettes, they're they're eating it with like this very rich butter that's like grass fed butter. It's a, like a dark yellow butter, so it's very high fat content. It's got a lot of uh, essential fatty acids in it, and just you're just getting it, and it's a different kind of bread too. And meanwhile, they're not fat. Yeah, and they're drinking wine, and they're not fat. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, agreed. Standard American diet is just fucked up. 
But I've always wanted to ask you that about like the drumming. Because, I mean, I, everything that I do, like everything repetitive, whether it's boxing or even archery, a lot of people get injuries in archery just from repetitive stress, from just pulling the bow back over and over again. I'm like, God damn, yeah. Travis, this, your whole fucking thing is repetitive. It's like, and I see you. Every time I see you, like my, my shoulders hurt. Yeah. <laughs> my elbows hurt. No, I mean, my first week hurts. My first week sucks, like on tour. Really? Like getting acclimated. Because even practice, rehearsals are not a show. It's just right. a different intensity. But, but yeah, as long as I train for it, I'm cool. I kind of like boxing has helped so much. And really? I don't box because I think I'm a tough guy or I think I can, you know, beat people's asses or whatever. It's really just for functionality. Like, so I can play the drums the way I want to. So and you I started to, doing it for that reason? Well, no, I started when I knew my son was being born. Like when my girlfriend at the time was pregnant, I woke up that morning, I ran to the freeway and back <laughs> like twice, and then I went and found a boxing gym. I, I walked into 10 Goose. I wa actually walked into John Braze, who used to be Tyson's sparring partner. Um, and it was like 2005, yeah, two, no, 2003. And then I started boxing. I just walked into 10 Goose and I, I started jump roping and and hitting pads and i don't know i just had this urge to want to like box and be better that's so interesting like just yeah. from knowing that you were gonna be a dad i just wanted to be better i wanted like immediately i just thought to myself i wanted a lifestyle change i needed wow. to evolve and i needed to know how to protect this little human i was bringing into the world and i knew i needed to change my lifestyle because i was i was kind of out of control Wow. It's a, an amazing thing that happens to you when you become a father. It's a weird switch that goes off in your brain that you can't really describe to people that don't have kids. Yeah. And it's even weirder when the switch doesn't go off. So like, you know, you see people who are horrible fathers or yeah. horrible parents and I just don't get like, how didn't, how didn't that switch turn on for you? Right. You right. know? How, yeah. Like the ones who don't want to be around their kids freak me out the most. Yeah. They just don't want to be, they just want to be away all the time. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. But yeah, and now I love boxing. Like, it's one of my favorite things to do. I, I'm, I've been doing Muay Thai a little bit more because I can kind of save my hands. Yeah. Because it's not good on my hands in any way, shape, or form. How so? You know, just the impact over and over but again. But are you, are you getting like your I can hands professionally wrapped? Do you get them wrapped yeah. correctly? Yeah. yeah. But it still but bothers you? My knuckles hurt. Really? Yeah. Are you using big, heavy gloves? Yeah. What uh, what ounce gloves are you using? I think they're fourteen ounce. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should switch to like eighteen or twenty. Yeah, yeah. Get a, a thicker padding in the front. It'll protect your knuckles better, and it even gives you a better workout, really, because you're pushing more weight. A little heavier. Yeah, yeah. You're pushing more weight, and you'll have more more impact. But another thing I would say is um, get a bag that's a water bag. Water bags are fantastic. Have you ever seen those oh, before? Yeah, I've seen them at the gym. Yeah, yeah you they're can awesome. Fucking dig into those things, and it's it's minimal impact, but you're still pushing the same amount of weight. You know, through th throwing the punches, you could still explode with the same amount of force. But yeah. you know, you're sinking into that bag, and so a lot of people with tendonitis find that that's a, a way better option. There's another. Um, uh, I have two bags out there. One of them's a Fairtex bag, and Fairtex makes a—it's a, a a Muay Thai bag, but it's softer. 
And the other one's a monster bag. The monster bag's like really hard. Stiff, right? Dense. Yeah. Dense as fuck. So I like the combination of the two. But the Fairtex one is good if I'm injured, if like my shoulders bother me or something like that. I can dig into that bag and it's not going to have the same jolt as like hitting something solid and hard. So if you're having problems with your hands, that's what I would say. Another thing you can do is they make wraps that are gel wraps. You slide them on your hand almost like a glove. Yeah, that's what he just told me about, one of the guys I train with. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. And then that on top of the heavier glove, I bet it'll stop all the hand stuff. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Yeah. He just told me about that. That'll protect my knuckles a little bit more. Cause I find if I lift weights, I never get big. Like I never look big, but I feel kind of stiff and just slow. Mm. It's the worst feeling ever. And I did it one time right before tour. I'd, I was living in Chevy Hills for a little while and I was working out at a gym over there and it was all bodybuilder guys. And I would train with one just to like be pushed and I got behind my kit, and it was the worst feeling ever. <laughs> the worst. I felt like I was in slow motion. Right. So I figured out, like, <clears throat> I need to train how I want to move when I'm actually playing the drums. Weightlifting's you know? fine, but you have to do it lightly. The yeah. thing about weightlifting <clears throat> is people want to do it to failure all the time. You know, do uh, 10 sets of this and five sets of that and go to failure every time. Come on, push, 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 push. Yeah. Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. I subscribe to the Pavel Tatsalini method. He's um, a famous Russian kettlebell instructor, and his philosophy is that you should do more sets but less repetition. So, like, say if you could do a weight and you could lift it 10 times. Don't lift it 10 times. Lift it five. If you lift it 10, the fuck's going on with my voice? All this talk about esophageal cancer. (laughs) My voice is rebelling. But if you say if you could lift uh, something 10 times, lift it five times and just do more sets and right. give yourself a lot of time in between sets. Because if you're training for strength, you can do certain things like kettlebells in specific where it's strength, but it's also endurance. But really, if you just want to do strength, the best way to do it is to do a, a short set of a, a, a few repetitions and then do multiple versions of that. Like take a long time off, like five, 10 minutes and then do another five reps, five, 10 minutes, do another five reps and then do it again in a couple of days and then right. do it again. Instead of like once a week where you just blow your body out and then you're like, ah, that feeling where you can barely move. That's, that's terrible. Worse. Yeah. It's, it's not a smart way because you don't recover as well. Yeah. And you, you end up getting hurt or having yes. to take a day off. You know what I started doing was with this one trainer named Don, we, we figured out kind of like a metronome workout. Mm. So you're actually like a tempo workout where you're training to a tempo. Uh. So you have to do high reps. Like, you know, you'll stay to a minute and maybe the tempo is like, you know what I mean? Mm. So whatever, even if it's quick and you're not doing everything like exactly technique wise, really slow and, you know. Um, it's, it's kind of like making sure you stay up with the tempo, which I feel like really helped me with, with staying quick and fast with drums and more endurance, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, is, is drumming a young man's game? I mean, is it like athletics where as you get older, drummers slow down? I don't know. I haven't. I played just as wild as I did back in the day. And how old are you now? 43. You look great. Oh, thank you. You don't look 43. Yeah. Max Weinberg told me one time he was, he watched me play and he was like at a show where Blink played, and he's like, I don't know how much longer you can play like that. Because <laughs> you like, fucking really? go hard, dude. He's like, you're going to need back surgery. You play like you have like, rabies. Okay. Uh, you're just <laughs> smashing the fucking drums. So knock on wood, nothing has changed, and I've just, I play exactly how I always have, you know? Um, I don't even want to think about a day where I have to play any different. Right. I'm sure it'll come, but. Do you get massages? 
Yes. That, that'll help a lot, right? Yeah. Massages, Epsom salt baths. Um, That's where the tank comes in play, man. Yeah, that thing looks the, amazing. The, the tank is all Epsom salts. Look at you, dude. You're going fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> when you watch that, I would watch you play, and I would just go, how the fuck can this guy maintain this pace? Because everybody drums differently, you know? I mean, it's it's really interesting to watch people's different, especially uh, my friend Bill Burr really got into drumming, and, uh, you know, he's he's really into it, and I like watching him play, and it's, it's interesting to see someone take something up and get better and take lessons and learn it, but the thing that really strikes me is how many repetitions are involved like as you're doing this like the the amount of times you're hitting these drums is fucking insanity you got to pace yourself if it's a two-hour set mm -hmm. i know like oh this is a verse of this song i can kind of this is not a big big part you know mm -hmm. you can kind of chill but it's like a round you know if you're right. doing a round look up in the clock and you realize oh wow i still have two minutes left yeah well pace yourself and you know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of how I approach shows. But but the goal is to train so much before you even get on tour that you're not even having to think about that. You're just playing the show exactly how you want to play. It's almost, I imagine it's like that with fighting where you envision what you want to do in your head and you're in the shape and you know the technique to execute. Mm. And you don't have to think about it or go like, yeah. oh, I can't do that. I'm not, I didn't practice that enough. I, I like to be able to just do whatever I'm feeling and not, you know, be like, shit i i don't know how to do that or i'm gonna get tired if i do that i don't want that to happen right you know so that's the goal it's just being able to execute what you have the idea in your head well musicians have to have discipline because you have to practice it's, it's yeah. that's one of the things that makes you guys so unique in the entertainment world it's like i mean i guess maybe actors have to practice stand-up comedians we only practice in front of an audience but you guys have to fucking practice. Like so you don't no go through your show no. before you go out? No, I write. I wow. write and I, I listen to recordings of old sets, but I don't like sit in front of a mirror and go, hey, folks. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't know anybody that Because it would that. feel so weird when you go up to do it. It would feel rehearsed, right? Yeah, that's the last thing you want. You got to be in the moment. Gotta... Same thing happens with uh, if you practice too much as a band and then you go try to play those songs and act like you're having fun. That right. same thing happens. So I try to practice a lot on my own, and I'm not even practicing those songs. Just kind of, just drill, you know. Yeah, but. like Sam Kinison used to have a joke about the Beach Boys, about uh, they're they're going out there like playing. I wish they could all be California girls again. Yeah. And like Jesus fucking yeah. Christ, I wish they all could. Like it becomes a job that you yeah. don't want that. You you want it to be fresh and exciting, and you want it to be something that you're really in the moment and really thinking about. So I make up new shit on the spot too. That's the best. Is I just make up new fills or just try to reinvent the songs to the point where even like Mark will look back at me and be like. You know what I mean? Whatever. Like, that's the best, you know? Just kind of freaking it on the fly. Right. And and even to the crowd, it's like, whoa, that's that's cool. You haven't heard it like that before. Yeah. So that's like after two or three months of being on tour, you do stuff like that. Yeah. When you get off tour, do you consciously give yourself a rest? No. I'm busier at home than I am on tour. On tour is so lavish, man. Like, you have, you have someone saying... I mean, you do have people kind of waiting on you hand and foot somewhat you know like hey mm -hmm. catering's you know ready if you want to eat or hey you got to go do an interview 30 minutes before you go on stage uh cars outside waiting for you after the show taking you to the hotel so that doesn't happen at home 
Right. You know, and at home, I do so many other things besides playing the band. Like I, you know, produce a bunch of rap artists. Um, I have crossroads. I have clothing companies. I have three kids. It's way busier at home. Tour is, tour is a vacation. That's interesting. Yeah, for me. Wow. Because I don't know how to say no either. Mind you, I have a lot of things I love that I love doing, so I can't complain and be like, oh, I hate going to the studio. I hate doing this. I love it all. I just kind of love it all so much that I have trouble saying no sometimes. So when you you're, you said you're managing or you're producing rap artists? Yeah. How many? Um, like I'm in, the, I'm in the studio right now with this group called Suicide Boys who are awesome. They're from New Orleans. And we have a EP coming out that's called uh, Live Fast, Die Whenever. And we just finished over the weekend. So, or yesterday. So it's, you know, you go in there at noon and you leave there at four in the morning every day until you're finished because they're only in town for a little while. So, yeah, it takes a little bit. Um, and then, like, I worked on XXX Tentations album uh, before he passed away. Um, I work with, like, Smoke Perp. Um, Vic Menza, a bunch of different artists. Do you like so, that because it's a, a different genre? It helps you mix it up a little bit? Are you just a big rap fan as well? Obviously, you're wearing an Ice Cube shirt. Yeah, I grew up... I actually listened to rap music before I listened to any kind of music at all. Like Beastie Boys and Run DMC and Public Enemy and The Far Side and KRS-One. That's what I grew up on. And then I discovered... Yeah, I loved metal too. I loved Slayer and King Diamond and then... And then I discovered a band called Minor Threat and The Descendants and Black Flag and Bad Brains. And I just liked it all. And then my dad listened to jazz music and country rebel music. So I was born and raised on like Johnny Cash and Buck oh, Owens wow. and everything. So, and I, I kind of learned to love it all. And I had people around me when I was young, when I was first learning how to read music that just kept embedding in my head, like, you got to listen to everything. Can't mm. just be, you can't just learn one thing. So... I was actually taught how to play like traditional jazz when I was really young. And then I taught myself how to play everything else. That's fucking cool. Yeah, but that's I cool always loved a, everything. That's nice that you have an appreciation for all those different genres too. Yeah, it'd be like if all you did was UFC commentating, you'd be like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go crazy. Right. Like this must be so much fun for you and all of your other endeavors. Like same thing. Like if I was only making, you know – punk rock records or pop punk records or whatever it was i think i would go insane and it's been like that for for years you know yeah i think different people i think some people if they're just doing like baseball commentary or something like that they're fucking happy as shit they love it yeah and they just want to do that but there's some people like you or maybe like me that they i need different things yeah i, I will go crazy i love like studio life is awesome like i did a hand zimmer thing the other week and then the next day i'm in with like a band called Nothing Nowhere doing something completely different. This week I'm doing a, a little peep and XXX remix. It's it has to be like that for me. Or I get really bored and I I just don't feel creative. Right. I feel right. kind of like I don't know. That's don't, cool though. I don't like, like that. How does that work? Like you get a phone call or someone texts you, "Hey Travis, we need you to come in here and light this motherfucker on fire," and you get in there and yeah, it's been like that, you know. Um, or like you know, some projects manifested too. Like there's this band called the Fever Three 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 that I produce and uh, and write with, and they just got nominated for a Grammy. Like they're up for a Grammy for uh, best rock performance, and that was something I just envisioned with the singer of that band, Jason, and. We started literally a year ago, and th and they're nominated for a Grammy. Wow. Um, so, like, stuff like that, like, 
kind of being an architecture without building buildings, you know, being an architecture and music mm. or whatever it is, whatever it is you're passionate about, that excites me. You're just building sound. Yeah. Like there's nothing better. And working with different genres too, it's got to be exciting too, because you can mix it up and. Yeah. Wow. Now when you're like, when, how do you, how, like schedule your time in terms of like how much time you're going to spend on your own studio work, how much time you're going to spend on other people's stuff. Do you just play it by ear? It seems like with a guy like you, you must get so many requests and you said you have a hard time saying no. I would imagine it's fucking overwhelming. Yeah. Well, my kids come first before everything, anything, you know? And then I get a lot of opportunities. Like my son Landon is a big rap fan. Like he loves rap. He was raised on rap music. Like he grew up, touring with me and Lil Wayne when I toured with Lil Wayne. Uh, and he loves being in the studio. So he'll come with me to the studio so I can kind of like double dip work at the same time as he's in B making music. You wow. know, my studio B, which is really, really awesome. And then same with Alabama. She's a mu I, I'm lucky they're both musicians because Alabama and Landon both love music. So they like going on tour with me. They like oh, going to the amazing. studio with me. Yeah, or I, or I probably wouldn't be working so much. That's really cool. Yeah. What the fuck is it like going on tour with Lil Wayne? It was so awesome. I came out with a rap a rap project where I produced, I made all the beats, and I just got all my favorite rappers. Everyone from like RZA, from the Wu-Tang Clan, to Lil Wayne, uh, Game, Swizz Beats. Um, it was it was crazy. I think I had 30 like, guests on there, and Wayne asked me to go out on tour with him. So me and Mixmaster Mike from the Beasties, we're like the opening act on that tour. And Drake was out there, Nicki Minaj and Rick Ross. Wow. It was so fun. So I loaded up the bus with everyone. I brought Yellow Wolf out. I brought J-Rock. I brought Paul Wall. I brought the cool kids. And we just got in a bus and we went on tour. Jesus Christ. It was Christ. the best. Yeah. How long are those shows? All those people? How long is that show? That's like a, well, with all the acts, at least yeah. four hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> by the time, but by it was the, time so fun. the fucking show's over, like, good Lord, that audience must be beaten into a coma. Oh, yeah. But then the headliner's on, who they're really there to right, see. Right, right. But that, that was a big accomplishment, just being able to play in that genre of music, because I listened to it as a kid, mm -hmm. but there's never really been a home for a live drummer in a, a rap scenario. Right. You know? So from the beginning, I think, I don't even know what year it was, when Puff called me when I had just joined Blink and he's like, yo, I want you to be in this video. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I pretty much was, I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm in one of the biggest, you know, bands in the world. I'm so stoked. I couldn't ask for anything more. And I always wanted, there you go. I always that. wanted to, uh, Can yeah. Can get some? <laughs> that tour was so fun. But yeah, once Puff asked me to be in a video, it was kind of like a, uh, uh, it just snowballed from there. You just got into that world. Yeah. And I, I, I had no idea why he wanted me. You know, but I was just like, wow, this is so cool because I grew up on Big E. Like, I loved all that genre of music, but I was okay with just staying in my lane as well. But when I got accepted with, like, open arms and I was invited to do, like, BET Awards with T.I. or Tyga or Wayne, and it was just insane, you know, playing the Grammys. I, the funny thing is I've never played the Grammys with Blink, but I've played the Grammys with, like, Pitbull, Drake, Eminem, like, it's so weird. It's so weird to me. I just feel it's a trip. The opportunities I've had outside of rock music have been such blessings. Do you, when you say all these things and you know that you did all these things, does it almost seem like you're living in a dream? Yeah, I feel like smacking myself. Like it doesn't <laughs> feel real. When people go like, oh, who would you like to collaborate with? I feel like I'm so spoiled 
and I've I've been so blessed to play with all these musicians I love that I just say nobody. You know, whatever comes, I'm happy with. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's cool though. That's great, man. That means you're fulfilled. Yeah. You know? You're 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 doing what you want to do. Like you're ready. Totally. Wh- whoever, let's do it. Yeah. If if you wanted to make a record, Joe, I'd be there. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, lucky for you, I'm to- totally talentless in the music department, so it's not going to happen. But no, nah, you're such a talent, man. I I love like when you and Dominic Cruz are commentating together, doesn't get any better. Yeah, I love Dom. It's the He's best, awesome, man. He beat the shit out of me a couple times. Um, <laughs> Why did you let him? Well, because he, you know, we we used to sponsor him a little bit, like with Famous, like mm-hmm. you know, he used to walk out in Famous stuff, like when UFC wasn't, they didn't have Reebok gear. Um, and he would come down and train cause I, I would train with this one guy, Josh over here in uh, Woodland Hills. And he said, Trav, I'm going to be in town. I'm going to come train with you. I was like, okay, cool. Little did I know it'd be Dom tossing me around and like, fucking, <laughs> oh my gosh, man. It was so difficult. But Does he, he make you roll with him? Well, no, it'd be, he'd be like, try to sleep me. Like try to knock me out. Jesus. So I'm giving my all and, you and he's know, just using his defense. And you know, when you, when you actually swing in the air. And you're not landing it actually more tiresome than when you're yeah. hitting somebody. So I'm swinging in the air. He's like on the side of me all of a sudden. Like, you know, <laughs> he's so quick, like with footwork. And then I'm wrestled to the ground. And it's just a wrap every time, man. He's so, so talented. So, yeah, his man, I, I love that guy. footwork is preposterous. Yeah. He just has the most ridiculous footwork. His, his footwork is so unique to him, too. Everything he does, he's got like this weird herky-jerky little yeah. thing. He does. He's probably one of the most unique MMA fighters ever. I feel like a lot of people have kind of borrowed from his style, oh, too. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah, for sure. And not, not to say they didn't make it their own, but I feel like Dom was the first one you saw, you know, kind of move like that. Unquestionably. Yeah. And that's because of his intelligence. Because yeah. he doesn't like getting hit. He's yeah. like, okay, I got to figure out a way to not get hit so much. Like, what's the best way to not get hit? And yeah. he just just came up with this very unorthodox way of moving. He's a real encyclopedia of information when you start talking to him about fighting. Like, he's I really enjoy doing commentary with him because he's so insightful. He's so good at pointing out little areas where he thinks people are making mistakes or how to capitalize mm-hmm. on certain things that people are doing. Yeah, I've watched fights with him before, and he's... And he he gives a different insight than what I'm seeing. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, he's great, especially when it comes to wrestling, clinch work, and you know, and, and even like weird striking techniques. I mean, he's just he's so good at befuddling people that he fights with with movement and information. Like he's giving them looks, and and they're they're trying to set up. You know, they're standing there trying to set up, and they don't know what the fuck he's doing, and they have to reset, and they're trying again, and then he's giving them a different look, and yeah. he's standing over here, and then he's in front of you with his hands down, then he's not, and yeah. Yeah, it's a trip. He's great. Just fucked up his shoulder again, man. I know, man. I think he, he trains so much. I feel like he just, you know, he's, well, he's, a, a he's obsessive. Yeah. Yeah, he's a savage. I mean, he, he got back from knee surgery, and he went so hard that he gave himself plantar fasciitis. So he fucked up the bottom of his feet from running and sprinting and doing all kinds of crazy shit to get in shape. And, you know, he got over that. And, I mean, he's had so many different surgeries. Knee and that's surgery. miserable. Have you had that? No, I've never had plantar. Oh, man. I had it on a tour where I would – I'd get these I get these weird kind of things where I have to do a certain thing before I go on stage. So one of the things I did on a tour that was – I don't know. It was about a four-month tour is run four to five miles before the show. Mm. And by the by the middle of that tour, I had actually given myself a stress fracture in my foot. Ugh. It was terrible. Did you but run on concrete? Not on a treadmill. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
Damn, dude. Well, sometimes, I, sometimes when when there was no treadmill, I'd just run out in the street. But I, I kind of get like that where I just like, I don't know. I get obsessive about stuff, and I want to. I want to do it. I, I get too kind of. I throw myself all the way in. Where now, I'm like, I'm what kind of running shoes do you run with? Do you run with? I was running like honestly on that tour. Sometimes I'd run in Vans, which is probably <laughs> half of my problem. But you know, it'd be so quick. Like, oh, I right. have an hour here to do this. But uh, yeah. Uh, that it wasn't fun though it was painful yeah when you have overuse injuries those are some of the hardest especially your feet they're some of the hardest to recover from because you have to walk it's not like if you hurt your elbow you could just not use it for a while yeah and it'll eventually heal up but you need to use your feet yeah yeah planner's a rough one man i know a lot of people that have got that i've been very lucky i came from a martial arts background a lot of kicking and stuff like that so my feet are pretty strong from moving but I found that uh, running with minimalist shoes on hills that that made them even stronger. Yoga, yoga oh, wow. made them stronger. Like what those weird kind of uh, mm-hmm. what are they called? Vibram five finger shoes. I wear yeah. those. I wear. There's another company called Vivo Barefoot. I wear those. I like those a little bit better for running on the hills because I'm running on a lot of rocks and shit. And the Vibrams, they they would be great if everything was soft dirt. But I'm running on weird jagged rocks and shit, and it's just it hurts your feet. You got to be real careful where you place your feet. Yeah. But it just forces your feet to work as they're supposed to, as opposed to like a big cushiony running shoe. You know, like a right. big cushiony running shoe feels good. It feels good to run on it because you get all this cushion. It's not so jarring. But your body really, you really should run, I think, personally, unless you're a runner, you should probably run less with a minimalist shoe then you should run like because it's more comfortable to run with a big fat cushion. Right. I think you ultimately give yourself probably more injuries that way. Yeah. But you can get injuries from those minimalist shoes too if you don't pay close attention. You try too hard, too quick. Yeah. And your foot's not conditioned for it. My feet are terrible too, man. I had what was called a Liz Frank fracture. What is you ever that? heard of that? It's basically your your foot breaks in half. Like oh, all your Jesus. all your tendons, your ligaments, uh, and your bones. How the fuck did you do that? So I was high as a kite and I was in Australia and I was running to the bus and I had like two huge bags that were like, probably like, I probably had 40 pounds on my back and I was just trying to get to the bus to get to the next show or whatever. And it was the the stupidest thing ever, but it was the little like, you know, the little cracks in the sidewalk mm-hmm. where it's up higher and I didn't see and I fell with all that weight on me and I'm in the bus and I'm starting to think, wow, this is really bad. And my tour manager's like, hey man, just get the blood flow and try walking on it. And I'm trying to just suck it up and I'm walking in the airport and I'm like almost like tearing, like I'm fucking hurting so bad. And I was like, man, I think I need to get uh, an x-ray or like an MRI. This isn't good. So I play like the next two shows with my other foot. I get an x-ray. They say I've broken my foot in half. I need <laughs> surgery. So I, um, I think I end up doing a couple weeks of the tour which I shouldn't have. I should have gone and done that surgery. But I played it with my other foot, and then I got home. I did the surgery, and I was like six months on crutches and just recovering. It was terrible. Six months on crutches. And then I feel like I wasn't healing that great because I was taking so many painkillers and everything. It was slowing down the process, Mm. which I don't know if you've heard of, but that it really, like, my bones became super brittle. From painkillers? From painkillers. What what painkillers? Norco's. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. But I would imagine the pain must have been fucking excruciating. Snapping your foot in half? Oh, it was so painful. Yeah, Did when you, it first something, happened. something else for pain medication after you got off of that stuff? I just smoked weed. Yeah? Yeah. Is that enough? Yeah. 
I'm pretty good with pain. It doesn't really bug me. What about uh, edibles? I haven't really done it. You don't fuck with edibles? Mm-mm. Really? I, think I, have, I haven't had anything for 10 years. Nothing? Nothing. Zero. No alcohol, yeah. no weed, mm-hmm. no nothing. Damn. Yeah. 10 years. Which was a big... Well, after my accident as well, I was fed... You know, four months in a hospital, being fed morphine every day for four months, and then being on all these bipolar meds and everything else, I honestly didn't want to put anything in my body when I got out. I didn't even take painkillers when I got home. Now, what kind of bipolar meds they put you on? Dude, I don't even remember. I was on like four or five, just bipolar. And then, I mean, I had like, I had so many, I probably had like 12 medications I got sent home with. And I did it for about a week or two, and then I went and see my doctor. I'd actually overheard one of my friends talking, who was like a brother to me. And I had heard him talking to someone else, and he was like, yo, like, Travis seems a little different, you know? He seems a little bit slow or something. And and I had overheard him. He didn't know I overheard him, but I was, these meds I had been telling my docs to, I was like, I just don't feel like me. I feel, I don't know, I feel weird, and I just don't feel like myself. So I just flushed him down the toilet one day. And the next week I came back to see him. And he's like, how you doing? I said, good. I'm off all of those meds you told me I'd be on for the rest of my life. <laughs> and they're like, oh, dude, from what you've been through, like, you, you, it's okay to be on something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing fine, though. Like, I don't need those, you know? And he's so like, they wanted to put you on because of the plane crash? Yeah, they're like, don't shame yourself, you know, by, by giving yourself a hard time that you have to take these pills. And I said, well... You know, I honestly, I don't feel like they're doing what they're supposed to for me. And they're actually having like a negative effect on me. So I don't, I really don't want to take them. You know, they also told me I'd never run again. I'd never do this. I'd never do that again. So I think I just got to the point where I was like, let me see how many things I can prove otherwise that they've told me, you know, once I stopped taking the pills. Jesus. So they put you on bipolar medication because of a traumatic crash. Yeah. That seems odd to me. I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously. Well, I was kind of crazy. You know, I was like suicidal when I was in the hospital. Um, I was on so many drugs, I couldn't even, I didn't even know my friends had passed away. I didn't even know the two pilots had passed away. I didn't remember anything. I kept thinking like everyone was in the hospital, including the two pilots, including my two best friends and AM. I thought everyone was just in different rooms till about two weeks before I left. Wow. And then I went crazy. Then it was like, they had a you know 5150 case on their hands you know i wasn't i wasn't in a good place so yeah then i did i did a lot of like post traumatic like therapy when i was in the hospital to kind of like calm things down um once i got through all my surgeries and then yeah i mean over time it was it was cool but or it was never cool but i, I started to feel better you know um but yeah i, th- I think it was cuz i was so crazy at the time but that's it's interesting that that w- I would think that bipolar medication would be something that you would give someone who has like a a condition that just is sort of pre they're predisposed to it. Yeah, I don't know anything about bipolar, but I would think that that's something that you just have. You know, it's like yeah. you have a mental condition. I wouldn't think that it would be something that they would give you to overcome a traumatic incident. Yeah, I think they were afraid I was gonna be. I had like a mental condition after everything happened, you know? Do you think they think like maybe because you're an artist that you're probably a little crazy anyway? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I think. But I was a mess too. Like, you know, like I had done, 
I'd smoked so much weed, you know, every, every day, and I'd taken so many pills, and and I would self-medicate quite a bit that I woke up probably out of 11 of my 30 surgeries I had in the burn center, I woke up swinging on doctors. <laughs> so, because I would wake up, and I would just, I'd be opened up, and I would just <gasps> go crazy. Jesus Christ. Were so you just the, trying to get off the table? Yeah, I would just try to get off the table. I don't even think I really knew what was going on. Oh. I just wasn't. They couldn't give me enough medication to knock me out because I had been self-medicating for so long and abusing meds for so long. Wow. So you would get up from anesthesia? You would yeah. just wake up? In the middle of anesthesia. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, Jesus that was, Christ. That was a problem. Um, How did you clean up? Um, I think after, uh, there, I think the last time I swung on a doctor, they were kind of like, you, you're not going to, you can't be here no more. And then I was like, wow, well, I need X amount of more surgeries. And I, I really was just in fighting demons. You know, I just figured out like my two best friends had passed away and the pilots had passed away. And I was just like in an ugly place. And, um, you know, my, my kids couldn't come visit me because, 65% of my body was burnt so I couldn't be around people so I was just in it man and then um and then I just I don't know I turned a corner and then I was like a team player and I don't think I was on as many meds most of my surgeries were over and just learning how to walk again um being able to take a shower by myself again all that stuff man I, I think that was just those were the good points that helped me turn the corner and I don't know I just had more strength you know yeah so Wow. So you just just turned a corner in your mind and just sort of accepted it and Yeah. Same with drugs. Like I didn't ever do rehab or anything. I think it was mainly my kids and just uh second life second chance at life was enough for me. I was like I don't I never want to do any of that stuff again, you know? That's cool. So once you get a certain amount of distance between you and those days, does it seem like like it wasn't even real? It wasn't you doing those things? Yeah. You look back and you're just like, fuck. Yeah. Like, I still talk to those doctors to this day. Like Dr. Grossman, he's uh, he's he's so awesome. And he, he basically saved my life, you know. Um, but I still talk to him. He lives out here in the valley and he has Grossman Burn Center. And I go over there at Christmas and and see burn, you know, burn victims that are over there in the in the burn center and help out any way I can. But, yeah, he's That's great. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, um, many of my friends that I know that uh, had real bad drug problems and then now are off drugs, they look back and they go, "What? I don't. What the fuck was I doing? Like, how did I do? How was that me?" Yeah, it's interesting how that happens in your life. You have these new chapters in your life, and and sometimes it could just be something that happened like two weeks ago, and you're like, "Who the fuck was that guy two weeks ago? I'm not even him anymore." Yeah, you know, like you you could sometimes people make these abrupt turns in their life and then they go yeah i'm never going back and you go well we'll see and then you look 10 years later like wow you were right you never went back yeah yeah and i think like i still have have you ever heard of what's called like user dreams no where like i think i've fucked up and i'm smoking weed again oh. and then i wake up and i'm like oh my god how am i gonna stop because i love <laughs> i love smoking so much you know or whatever your vice was yeah. you know if it yeah. was like Whatever it was, Gambling, you know, yeah, everything. you're just yeah. like, you wake up and you think you're doing it again. And then yeah. you realize, no, nah, I'm, I'm all good. I used to have dreams like that where I had to go back to high school. Really? I used to have dreams for years, man. Like, Did you hate high school? Fucking hated it. <laughs> Me fucking too. I don't think anyone it. likes it. Yeah. Unless you're like, you know, soon to be a professor or fucking doctor or something. But. Well, I just had no idea what I wanted to do for a living. And I was just yeah. like, 
being trapped in a classroom constantly was excruciating. Yeah. I must have had, I, I mean, I probably do have like some crazy form of ADD. I don't know. I've never been diagnosed. I've never yeah. been to a shrink. But if I did, I, I mean, I'm sure they'd probably try to put me on something. Right. If I tried to tell them what's going on in my head all the time, they'd be like, Jesus, sit down. Hold on. <laughs> Take these. <laughs> Take these. Whatever you do, it's bad. But when I was in high school, I fucking hated it, and I barely got by. And then when I got out of high school, I would have these dreams where I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I didn't have enough credits to graduate, and I have to go back. Oh. And, then I, and then I was sitting there in my bed before I woke up trying to decide whether or not I was just going to fucking drop out and not graduate from high school, not have a high school diploma, yeah. or go back and do another fucking year of hell. Ugh. And it would, my, my guts would turn, then I'd wake up, and I'm like, oh my God, I graduated. I graduated. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it was the worst. I, did, I was the same way, man. I just like just barely got by high school. Did you go to school out here? Yeah, well, I grew up in like Fontana. Okay. Riverside. Fontucky. Yep, Fontucky. Um, Shout out to Double Dose Muay Thai out there. Good, yeah. Good Is there a good Muay Thai place out there? Out there? Yeah. So yeah. people like to fight in Fontana. Well, people like to fight everywhere. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> you either, like fight, fight, or, you either fight or play football. <laughs> in Fontana? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you sell um, meth? Yep. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was the same way. Just just skated by high school. And then I remember I didn't even want to walk. I fucking hated it so much. I actually rode my skateboard with my friends that were like much older than me that I'd go skateboarding with every day. And we were skateboarding by the high school as everyone walked and got their diploma. I was just. Did like, you get your diploma? Fuck that. Yeah, they sent it to me, but me too. I, I didn't want to fucking be there. No, I didn't. You know? I didn't go to my graduation. I'm like, yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. Like this is. I once I got through, I'm like, you don't have me anymore. I can yeah. be free. It took me a while to figure out what the fuck to do next. Yeah, I would sit there, and they would be like, "So, what do you want to do? Like, talk to counselors?" And I was like, "I just want to play drums in a band, really." <laughs> and they'd be like, "Well, that's not an option. Like, what, col what college are you going to?" And they would talk to me like I was like just insane. Isn't that crazy that there's yeah. so many bands and there's so many drummers? Why is that not an option? Yeah. Why is that not an option? It'd be better if they just said, "Well, you know, like I don't know if they motivated you to actually do what you're passionate about, yes. you know, instead of just being, well, well, that's not going to happen. So what do you want to do? God. Um, so many fucking people that probably wanted to be drummers and just never got a push and never, never, you know, yeah, never made it through. But then there's the the other argument that if you really want it, you'll find a way. Yeah, you you got to do it. I mean, my dad used to tell me the same thing. He'd be like, "You got to have a plan B," and, I, and I'd be like. Well, if I have a plan B, I'm not going to try that hard. You yeah. Know, I started thinking in my head, and then that's when I just said, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm, it's only this. No matter if I'm rich or poor, whatever, whatever the circumstances, this is what I'm doing. Like, I don't give a fuck what the outcome is. I think that's the right mindset. Yeah. I don't think people get by that well. Like, when I was uh, just starting to do stand-up, there was a lot of guys who had full-time jobs and they got degrees and, you know, they would work their full-time job and then they would just do stand-up like a couple nights a week. They never made it. Yeah. It was the obsessed guys and women, the people that were just like, "I this is my fucking life. This is what I do. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Those are the ones that do it. The no safety net people are the ones that made it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to fucking happen. You just have to... You have to stick with it. Yeah. You know, those, I feel like the people who really stick with it and give it like 110%, your time will come. It's, it, however big or small it is, something will happen, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, if you figure it out and keep improving and keep learning and learn from your mistakes and learn from your setbacks and yeah. and keep trying to push and get better and improve. If you do all those things, as, as hopeless and helpless as it seems, if you continue to improve, you've got to get to a better place. You've got to yeah. get better, and one day you'll be undeniable. And if you don't, and if you just fall back on that safety net, you're always going to wonder. Yeah. You know, you're always going to look at Travis Barker going fucking ham <laughs> on the drums and going, shit, that could have been me. Dude, I almost did it. I actually, at one point, my pops, and my pops is awesome, but... um. He's like a Vietnam vet and, you know, rode a, a Harley his whole life. And he just basically said to me, he's like, yo, you got to you either got to start paying rent at the house because, you, you know, you're not in high school no more or and, and get like a 60 hour a week job, like a real job Ooh. or you need to go, you know, go fucking play drums. But you're not going to do it here in my garage. Wow. So I was like, OK. And it was probably the best thing that was ever said to me, you know, as harsh as it was or whatever. And then. I had actually caved in and I just told my, my friend Noel, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to, I'm going to get this fucking job because I just somehow got a job that made, you know, in a warehouse. It was like Target Warehouse, making pretty good money compared to what I was making at the time. And um, and he hit me the next day and he's like, I think you're making a big mistake. I think you're very fucking talented and I think you'll regret this. And you can get this bullshit job any time down the line. Come live with me on, you know, stay at my house. You can sleep on the floor or the couch. And let's play in this fucking band and wow. do it. And I did it. You know, I was like a trash man in Laguna Beach, lived in like this studio apartment with a couple other guys. And it just fucking took off. Like I, I had to like, I mean, there was like humility too. You know, there was like playing bar after bar and, you know, you know, but I was eating. I was eating. I was, you know, I, I was skateboarding every day and I was living at the beach playing in a band with my friends. So for me, I'd, I had already made it. Those like, are the best stories. Yeah. They're the best stories. And I think back even to this day, I go to Laguna sometimes. I'm like, wow, that was kind of one of the best moments of my life. Besides my children being born, like poor, no money, but like happy as fuck. Like can't even think of another time I was that happy, you know? Yeah. It's cool. But the, the, the only pressure is the pressure of trying to succeed. It's not the pressure of already succeeding and the, yeah. the overwhelming pressure that you must experience now. Yeah. Those are great stories, man. Yeah. The stories are like where you didn't know if it was going to work. Yeah, you, you figured have no it fucking out. clue. Those stories right now, some kids are listening to those stories right now, listening to you say this. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. Like, who knows how many rock stars you're making right now just saying this? Yeah, because a lot of them are teeter tottering. Yes. Like, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Even, I, I mean, I was at the time, yeah. you know, and you just have to. You know, don't worry about being cool or being fucking rich or having money. Just be passionate about what you're passionate about and fucking dedicate 100%, you know? Yeah, there's those moments, man, when you're first starting out anything where it's not sure. Yeah. It's not a it's not, it's not a definite thing. You're in this weird limbo space like, man, am I going to be a loser my whole life? Like, wh what's going to happen to me? And those moments, man, when you look back... And you realize you could have quit, but you you kept going. You figured it out. You sucked it up. Yeah. You you worked your way through it. You improved. You kept moving. Yep. Yeah. That's that's life, man. Yeah. That's what defines you, man. Yeah, it really does. I just love those fucking stories. I could never get enough of them, man. Yeah. The 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 dirty, grimy, and then finally you make it story. Yeah. <laughs> They're the best. Dude, you're running out of space to tattoo. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm actually getting tattoos on top of tattoos. That's outrageous. Yeah. I just got this uh, LLJ for XXX. 
I'm gonna get it. Uh, I'm working on some new ones. I've decided to go back in. You're kind of like remixing them at this point, you know, like getting tattoos <laughs> on top of tattoos. Have you ever gotten lasered? Yeah, once. I, I had like a new wife and I had divorced my ex-wife and she wasn't really stoked on the ex-wife's name on me. Yeah, that so, seems like a problem. Yeah, so I lasered it because it was right on my neck and she always had to see it. And then, um, but that's the only time I've ever done it. I, there's nothing on me I really want to get rid of where I'm like, oh, that, it's all a story to me. It, uh, it all tells a story. It's like a moment in time and I got it for a reason, but I was trying to be cool and you know what I mean? Trying to be respectful and make mm-hmm. her happy at the time. That but, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. She hung in there all the way to being married with another chick's name on your neck. Yeah. That's a True. good woman. True. <laughs> but, in that I regard. Mean, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love tattoos, man. They're addicting. Yeah, I love them too. Once I figured out they didn't hurt at the age of 15, it was on. I didn't. Yeah, know, it's like, like pe- but people tell you, they're like, oh, it's so painful. Yeah. And then you get one, you're like, wait a minute. It's not so bad. This is like, it's kind of like a, a slight burn. Yeah. It's like. Kind of therapeutic too. Yeah, not that bad. Yeah. I fell asleep while I was getting tattooed. Same. <laughs> Same. When I did my back piece, I, I fell asleep. And I had two artists working on me at the same time. Oh, wow. Just because I fucking hate wasting time. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they did my back uh, together. They did my head together, too. Yeah, the head's impressive. Let me see the head. Yeah. Let me see what that looks like. When did you get that done? I did my head, like, I don't know, six years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. I started, I had, like, a piece on the side of my head right. that Mr. Cartoon did. Back back in the day, I love that guy's work. Oh, yeah, cartoon is such he's a amazing. Legend, he's got great shit. He's he is a legend. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah. Even outside of tattooing, like lowrider yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's one of the illest. But um, yeah, he he did that, and then that kind of set it off. I always had like praying hands on the side of my head, and then I shaved my head, and I've never grown my hair out since. Because I'm like, fuck it, I, it's a permanent haircut. Basically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah. What is up there? It's hard to see with um, all the shine. I have like Virgin Mary right there. Oh, wow. Um, I think I have like a rose. You right think? With skull. Yeah, I don't <laughs> That's know. That's when you know you get a lot of tattoos. I like, have, I don't uh, know what's on my head. <laughs> I have like a transplant gas mask on the back of my head. I have one life, one chance. Um, yeah. And then like some writing. Wow. Now, when you got burned, did it affect your tattoos? Did you have to tattoo over it? Yeah, so I lost I lost all of my tattoos on my legs. Wow. Yeah, so I lost, I lost my first tattoo ever, which was a Dag Nasty tattoo, this hardcore band, punk band that I loved forever, and a Bones tattoo, which was my nickname growing up. Um, but I lost everything on my legs. So then they do like, they do what's called like grafting, so they oh and I lost some tattoos from my back. So they take it's like a cheese grater and they grade all of your skin off your back Ooh. and my thighs and then they staple it to you with pig cadaver. Oh. And they wait for uh for you to start healing. Um so yeah, so I lost a lot of tattoos and then I I did I uh, like on my thighs, you can't really see. I did I did memorials for for little Chris, Che and uh DJ AM who uh who all passed away in the accident so i put them on my legs over the graph so you can't really see it but yeah i mean i i got out pretty well man like i mean you can kind of see it on my hand my hand you can see it's discolored and stuff but for having almost 70 percent of my body burnt like you can't really tell that's amazing yeah Yeah. you can't really tell at all because you're so tattooed up that uh the pain of healing burns is supposed to be excruciating. It's the fucking worst thing 
ever. Well, for for me too. I mean, I don't think you guys ever think about being burnt. I know I didn't. Right. I would just be like, I don't know. I just never think about fire until you're on fire, and mm. then you're like, oh shit, and then and then the you know the treatments afterwards to like do everything you know like uh, like they would put me in this big pan that was literally about as big as this table with different people all around you and they would scrape all my burns with a metal brush to get rid of all the infection because i had i basically when i when i jumped through the emergency exit when i opened the emergency exit before the plane blew up i was in such a hurry to get out of the the plane and exit the plane i jumped right into the jet which is full of fuel. So my whole body lit up, you know? So I had jet fuel just in my whole body. Like I burped jet fuel for almost like three months. Oh, God. So they had like, that was the main thing to get rid of the infection is they scrub you with a metal brush to get rid of all of it and all of the dead skin. And then and then I did about 30 surgeries to to repair everything like skin graft surgeries they saved my foot because at one point they were going to amputate my right foot yeah it was wild i have have pictures from it burnt that they were going to have to amputate it my right foot almost didn't make it was it because the way it was was it was necrosis or like what was going on that they were going to amputate it i think because that was the thing that was most soaked was oh. was my shoes and socks when oh. I jumped into the jets, you know? Oh. And I had done, like, I had exited the plane. I had started running. I had started, like, ripping off my clothes. Just, that's what my instinct told yeah, me, yeah. is just get rid of everything. But little did I know, I, I would still be on fire because the jet fuel was, you know, I was soaked in it. Oh. So I'm actually running towards a highway. A highway's right on the side of me. And I just hear some guy yell, like, stop, drop, and roll. And it just, like, I heard it out of all this chaos of every sirens and everything. And I stopped, drop, and rolled. And the only thing that was still on fire was my feet. And AM came and um, patted him out. So I think they were on fire the longest, too. So still, like, my, my, I think my right foot is probably, like, over 50% of it's a graft. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. But, um, yeah, that was, like, I never... Like I said, I never even thought about it. It's not something you think about until it happens to you. But being burnt is like a, it's it's horrific, you know? Were you like, affected by the recent fires out here? It came about a couple hundred yards from one of my houses. Oh, wow. But I was in Vegas. I was actually playing a show. We left that morning. And then we got phone calls saying you had to evacuate. But and we your were kids were with you? Thank God. Yeah, the kids. My dog was with me. Um my my housekeeper was at the house, so she was able to get the rest of our dogs out. And um, yeah, we were sh- as long as I had them there with me, you know, I was like, everything else is replaceable. It's, yeah. it's whatever. Um, but yeah, that was sketchy. I mean, you saw. Obviously, you live very. Yeah, close we got by evacuated. Too. Yeah, we got evacuated. Um, well, we evacuated ourselves before they had a mandatory at two in the morning. I came back from the comedy store. My wife and I were looking out the window, and the, the the flames are coming over the hill. And I said, "No one's gonna save us here." I go, "You know, we have to figure out what the fuck we're gonna do." And she's like, "I think we should go." And I said, "All right, I think you're right." And we just got a hotel room, and we just bailed. Yeah. And I just grabbed, I literally grabbed my laptop, and I think that's it, and some some clothes. And then the kids are a little freaked out, but I said, "Look, we just look, we're here." Yeah. We're all right. Like, we could buy more shit. Yeah. Like, the dog's fine. We're fine. That's how I was, too. I was like... F- Let it burn. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't want it to burn, obviously, but 
rather than you being hurt like fuck man this is this is it's an inconvenience when when you're when you lose your house it's yeah. it's a horrific tragedy when you lose your life you know we're not we're going to get the fuck out of here yeah and so they were freaked out but within a day or two i mean we stayed in the hotel for a week but within a day or two they were they were cool we were laughing about it same we did the same thing i came came home but not really home you know just yeah. lived at a hotel for a week but yeah, he felt kind of helpless. Like he couldn't do much. You know, it's not like I could sit there and and put out the fire myself. You know, they wouldn't even let us in our community. Yeah, same it was here. Crazy for people that weren't around here. They they don't know how crazy it was. But the sky was filled with smoke. Everywhere you looked was smoke. I mean, all of L.A. was filled with smoke. It was. I've never. We were. We stayed in Beverly Hills at the Waldorf, and you look out the balcony window, and it's just fucking gray. Just smoke everywhere. Yeah. I've never seen fires like that before. Never in my life. Me either. And I always see we're on high alert. Yeah. But, you know, I'd see it like my kids are, are are at school over in Malibu or really close to there, and I always see high alert, but nothing's ever really happened. You know, right. there's been like small fires, but that was horrific. That was just. It looked like Hiroshima yeah. in our neighborhood, like, you know, airplanes flying really low, dropping like fire retardant. And yeah. It was it was crazy. Bill Burr uh, flies helicopters. He's got his helicopter license. And we took a flight around Malibu, around uh, Point Doom. And you go over there and you see these massive estates just burnt to the ground. These gorgeous houses with the perfect view on the bluff overlooking the ocean, gone. Yeah. Huge lots. You know, $20 million houses, gone. Just burnt to the ground. And there's so many of them. And then like one house standing there. Yeah. One house out of just random. That's how it was in our neighborhood too. Yeah. Like a house caught fire, but nothing near it caught fire. It was it's weird. weird. Yeah, some shit will fly through the air, land on someone's house, and if you have like uh, pine needles or something on your roof or a, a flammable roof, yeah, you know, it just catches catches on fire. Was it a campfire that started? That's they what call, I heard? It's called campfire, oh. but I don't think it was a campfire. That was the name of the fire. I don't think, I don't, I don't know what the fuck the cause of that fire was. Jamie, see if you can find that out. Do you know what it is? No, I think they've been trying to blame or blame has been put on like <clears throat> different utility companies and whatnot and they're mm. not they're not taking the blame where they can prove that it wasn't them and wow. it's been being passed around i don't know that anybody knows yet mm. from what i've been looking at yeah it's fucking crazy though yeah. man when uh, i was in boulder there was a giant fire that broke out that was a fireman accidentally started a no. fire yeah he had a fire pit in his backyard and uh some fucking embers blew out of his fire pit and started a giant fire and just burnt, I mean, massive amounts of, uh, of wild forest is just gone. Damn. Yeah, a fireman. Imagine how of that all guy people, felt. Yeah, he must have Fuck. felt like shit. I mean, anybody. Who start, I mean, just couldn't fucking imagine if it was your fault that one of these things got started. Oh yeah, the guilt. I would. Ugh, I wouldn't be sleeping for weeks. <laughs> the craziest shit is Northern California. Yeah. Northern California got it way worse. We got it bad down here, worse than I've ever seen, but they got it way worse in Northern California. Yeah. Northern California, they lost like a shitload of people died on the highway. That's what I saw, They burnt man. to death in their cars. You see those photos? Yes. Oh, man. Fuck, man. Yeah. You know, and Sad. a lot of this is because of, I mean, there's a lot of issues, right? There's the, the dry... Um, you know, the fact that dry climate, the fact that, you know, there's a, climate change is happening, but also the fact that 
there's no small fires. Like all those, those dead trees are supposed to get knocked down by small fires, like controlled fires. Yeah. And those that doesn't really happen anymore. We don't want small fires that can possibly get out of hand. And so you, you have these forests that are oftentimes filled with dead trees right next to live trees and a lot of dead trees all over the place. Wow. So they're supposed to do, that's like maintenance, burning like the small dead yeah. ones before. Well, there's, I mean, some people advocate doing it for maintenance, but in nature, that's like a natural thing. Like a lightning would hit, light something shit on fire and the, the live trees would probably survive and a lot of the dead ones would burn to the ground and it would actually regenerate the forest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Damn. the crazy thing is, like, you look how fucking lush and green it looks out here now. Yeah. Like, you would never imagine that just a few months ago, this was a, a raging inferno. It actually is good for the ground. Yeah. You know, when all that it still smells like fire, too, right now, places, right? Some yeah. places, yeah. yeah. Every time it rains, it's starting to get a little bit better, but... Does it freak you out when you see fire now because of your accident? Yeah, it took a little while for us to have pyro again. Oh, I remember yeah. it was like we had just got back together and like this really, really like killer like photographer had this idea to do this photo shoot and they wanted us holding like the, um, whatchamacallit, the thing, like the flares mm. in an accident. And he got me to hold it for a second and I was like, ah, oh, bro, I can't do this. Like <sighs> wrong photo shoot. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I know you have this vision, but I, that's I just, an insensitive vision. Yeah. And, and I, How he kind of knew. Hoses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would have been a little bit more fitting, <laughs> but, and then, and now we do pyro stuff on, on stage and production. It doesn't really bug me, but I'm very cautious around the house. Like with, you know, my daughter, she has like a, a straight iron plugged in or for my son, Whatever, lights a candle. Like, I'm so crazy about mm. it. Yeah, I can Which, imagine. Yeah. Fires yeah. are a little weird. So, I have to ask you, does Tom talk about UFOs all the time? Well, you know he's not in the band no yeah, more. Yeah, I know. You know? But, but did you know, he always do that? He always did. We really? used to get loaded and just look out the bus window for <laughs> And I used to do it with him as like, I don't know, it's kind of a bonding experience. It's like... Yeah. If you wanted to show me bow and arrows, whatever, right. and we're on tour together, of fuck course, it. I'd sit yeah. there and like, you know, check it out. So with Tom, that was his thing. Like, fucking let's get high and look for UFOs. <laughs> so we would, you know, we just sit there and like stare out the bus window, look at UFOs. Or like, he would even go as far as when we were on tour, like, let's go and fucking look for Bigfoot. <laughs> whatever it was you know and he would assemble a crew and they would go do it oh my god he never got me on one of those trips because that was just too fairy tale for me but um, yeah but i would you know i'd do that and he was always it's really not something he just got into from the day i fucking met him wow. he was obsessed with ufos and aliens and was always very passionate about it to the point where like i didn't know enough to to have any kind of, I guess, like opinion on it. I was just very open and, and, you know, just took it all in. Yeah. But nothing has changed. He's still, the other day I talked to him, he's like, I'm on the way to the fucking White House, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't ask any questions. I'd be like, as you should be, you know, whatever. Like, let's fucking go. As you should be. Yeah. (laughs) What a great response. Yeah. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yep. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he was a trip, man. Having a conversation with him was very strange. Because part of me was like, is this guy putting me on? Like, what is happening He's here? He's dead ass. Dead He's ass. dead ass. Seemed serious. like it. And we would look yeah. at these videos that were so clearly horseshit. And he would be like, amazing, right? And I'd be like, what? Like, you think that that's an actual UFO? Like, that is the fakest fucking video I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But he didn't see that at all. Yeah. 
in his mind, he was seeing a real alien spaceship. Even on tour, I'd be like, he'd walk in my room and he'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, check this thing out. I just made up whatever, playing drums. He'd be like, dude, fucking whatever George Bush just did. You know, and he's just coming at me with some like politics. He's been watching CNN or, or yeah, like he's just, he's always been obsessed with it. So he's obsessed with all sorts of like hidden things, like not just UFOs, but Bigfoot too. and Conspiracy theories, mm, politics, yeah. yeah, everything. Very, very passionate about all those things. Conspiracy theories and politics. It's interesting yep. how those things go together because people are always wondering, like, who the fuck is running things? What are, what's really going on? Yeah. What's happening behind the scenes? Who's pulling the strings? What oh, does yeah. it all really mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the UFO thing is like, boy, boy, you got to. I mean, I absolutely believe there could be intelligent life out there. But yeah. I haven't seen a fucking single thing that makes me think that anybody's got a picture Same. or a video. Yeah, I, I feel like it could it could be real. I I believe, but sure. I, I'm not. I can't fucking. I'm not dedicating my life to search for it. You know. Yeah. And I I give it to a man to like honestly to walk away from your fucking very successful band to go do that shit. Like, I have nothing but respect for his passion. Yeah. But it's like. I couldn't do that. That's insane. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that just, it really shows like he's, you know, he's very, very passionate about it. It's, I hope he saved up some money. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Survivor Man, Les Stroud? Nah. He's, uh, you ever see that show? Uh-uh. It's a fucking great show. He uh, would, Survivor Man would go uh, out into the woods with like a limited amount of things. He would say like, okay, I've got this bucket, I've got a fucking pocket knife, uh, and I got uh, a, ball, a ball of yarn, and I'm gonna survive out here for seven days. And he, and he films the whole thing. And he'd be filming himself like eating frogs and catching a squirrel and finding edible plants and just living out in the forest and oftentimes going days and days without food. Yeah. And then he would have like a point where he'd get rescued. You know, seven days in, there would be a spot where they would meet him. Um, he had an experience when he was in Alaska a long time ago where he was camping and he said he heard footsteps, like big, heavy footsteps. And he heard some sound that sounded like a gorilla, like, <laughs> like something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and then it ran off. And to this day, he's convinced that that was a Bigfoot. And so now he has Survivor Man Bigfoot. And he goes out into the woods and just looks for evidence of Sasquatch. Well, he should. He needs to. He needs to hit up Tom. Tom will pull up. <laughs> and he'll go with him. He would love that. I'm sure he would. Fuck. Yeah. Um. He's trying to get me to go with him. I'm like, good luck. I did yeah. it. I did it one time. Uh. I went hunting for Bigfoot for a television show I did for Sci-Fi called Joe Rogan Questions Everything. We went yeah. looking for Bigfoot, and the more I talked to these Bigfoot folks, the more I was convinced that none of these motherfuckers had ever seen Bigfoot. There was yeah. one lady that I talked to, one lady who just did not seem like a liar, and she was telling me that she saw something in the woods, and it was standing up, and it was tall, like seven, eight feet tall. And she's like, why is there a gorilla in the woods? And then she's like, oh my God, that's Bigfoot. And she said, and it was the Pacific Northwest, like uh, outside of uh, Washington State, or in Washington State, outside of Seattle. And the woods are so dense up there that yeah. if anything goes 10, 20 feet, it's gone. 
The problem with that is that there's black bears up there, and black bears sometimes stand up on two feet. They do it all the time. And if you saw a blackfoot, especially uh, a black bear, rather, especially from a distance, you would think it was a big gorilla. If yeah. it was standing up on two feet, which they do do, especially when they're trying to see something, they'll stand up and they'll even walk. There's a lot of videos of them walking on two feet. Damn, just on their like hind gorilla. legs. You like ever that? seen it? Nah. That's crazy. I could see how Jamie that would resemble a Bigfoot. hundred percent. Yeah. So I think, I don't think that lady's a liar. I just, I don't, she might, I mean, look, it might be real. There might be a few of them left. There definitely was a thing called Gigantopithecus that lived in Asia. And the thought is that it came across the Bering Land Bridge the same time that Native Americans came across from Asia and that they came across and, you know, cause they lived in Asia and this, this Gigantopithecus, I think lived as recently, I think, as a hundred thousand years ago, I think the, the the most recent fossils they have of it, which is you know human beings were alive back then. Yeah, and this thing was uh, six or uh, an eight to ten foot tall bipedal hominid. So it was a, a huge, yeah. huge ape like creature. Yeah. So check this out. This is uh, look at this bear. Is that the craziest shit ever? Wow. Bears walking on two legs. Look at him. Wow. Like if you saw that, oh, you'd that's be like, totally. Yeah, could, yeah, you can mistake yeah, be like, that. Oh my god, it's a fucking it's, Bigfoot. Especially if you believe the hype and you're, yeah. you're searching for Bigfoot out there. Yes. You, yeah. Or if you're on shrooms. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're walking, around, if you're high on mushrooms, you're like, oh my god, Bigfoot's real. Look at that thing. He's like, hey, how wow. you doing? Oh, he's got a hurt right foot. That's what that is. You see his right foot? There's yeah. something wrong with his right foot. Sometimes, yeah, it looks like he's missing his front paw. It says sometimes, um, you know, bears will fight with each other, and one bear will bite the other bear's foot off or he could have gotten shot or he could have broke it off on something yeah that's Damn. crazy yeah he's missing a foot so he's he's walking around out there like a gorilla but everybody else i was like when i'm talking to them they're like living in make-believe world here's another one walking around look at him wow that is weird man those are big ass bears yeah. too big they're ass bears chilling on two feet i man. mean look they look yeah. like fucking people man I think that is a, a big reason why, and they're, th they're feeding them. That is so crazy. Where is that? I don't know. That doesn't seem like America. South Korea. Is it? It's South Korea, yeah. Wow. Park oh, th so that's uh, one of those wildlife parks where the animals are all, and you're in a car. Yeah, that's like fake wildlife. I mean, wildlife, but not really wild. Yeah. Have you ever seen that video where the lady was in China and they were in one of those parks and she got in a fight with her boyfriend just she got out of the car and she got killed by a uh, tiger? No. <laughs> oh. She actually, she didn't get killed. Her mom got killed. She's even more fucked up because her mom came out to rescue her. She got snatched by the tiger and then her mom, watch this shit. This is crazy. Oh no, there's Here video it of it. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm fucking walking. And they're like, hey, listen, bitch, get back in the fucking car. There's tigers out here. She's like, no, 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 fuck you and fuck him and fuck you. And the tiger just grabs her, snatches her out. So the guy runs out and then the mom runs out and apparently the mom got killed. So here comes the mom. That lady wound up dying. Wow. Yeah. And there's a the park ranger like, shit. Here's the car. Yeah. When you get snatched yeah. up by a 600 pound cat. Did you hear about that fucking dude in Colorado today? He killed a mountain lion with his bare hands. He smothered it to death. Yeah. It, it jacked him while he was jogging. Or he was running on the trails. The mountain lion grabbed him from behind. He got in a struggle with his 80-pound cat and wound up suffocating it. I can see wow. this fucking badass jogger. Just yeah, I want to know what the jogger looked like. Just holding that motherfucker by his neck. Fuck you. Oh. Fuck you. Yeah. It would have to be like Derek <laughs> Lewis or someone, you know? like. Yeah. Someone. <laughs> 
I can't picture anyone else being able to do that. Maybe he's a jujitsu guy. Yeah, we see him. I've seen him when my kids were really young uh, in Calabasas, where I live. Mm-hmm. I saw one like just pacing back and forth in my back fence. I'm not oh, lying. Jesus. Yeah. They're out here, man. Yeah. They're out here. I mean, we see coyotes and deer yeah. all the time, but mountain lions, that's, that's next level scary. Yeah, you know? a friend of mine just sent me a message this morning when uh, I was uh, when I posted that thing on Instagram about that guy that killed it, and he said he was running on this fire road and he realized he like felt weird and looked over and twenty feet away from him was a big cat right above him on this ridge twenty feet. So that's basically us to that wall. Yeah, big cat just looking, and he said he waved his arms to look bigger, and the thing just walked away. Like, uh, I carry a knife when I run. I carry a, a fucking uh, half-face blades. It's got a, like a loop. You could stick your thumb into it so it, it stays in your hand. And, and people are like, why are you running with a knife? What the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't need it until you do. Yeah. And when you do, you want to have it. Didn't someone get attacked by a coyote in Hidden Hills, like running? Did they? I don't I know. I had heard shocked. a story about that, but I, I mean, I've ran shocked. in my neighborhood before and a, two coyotes ran right past me. I mean, they, they they're usually, creeps. Yeah, they usually don't mess with like humans, you know? Well, we had a problem with them um, killing chickens because I have chickens in my yard. Yeah. And I've lost a bunch of chickens to coyotes where they were, they were on top of the chicken coop pulling tiles off of it. Yeah, they're creepy little fuckers, man. Yeah. But they're little, you know? They're, these are like 35, 45 pounds. They're yeah. not very big, but they're creepy. There's yeah. something about, they're little wolves, and they're looking at you, and they're trying to figure out a way, like, what can they eat? What can't they eat? They're out yeah. there scraping, scraping yeah. and grinding. They're sneaky, like yeah. gangster. Like, I saw one of my friends, a dear friend of mine, he lost both of his dogs to coyotes, and he had, I think he had, like, surveillance of it, and one is in the yard, and he's playing dead. And then his dogs approach what they think is dead, and then basically, like, his homie comes out of nowhere and attacks and they, and they both and the one that's playing dead attacks and both of his dogs were a wrap how big were his dogs small i mean they were smaller dogs but yeah now he has like big german shepherds and he's you know he's kind of like got bigger dogs now but it was really sad man it is sad but it they're very tactical the like very yeah. very crazy yeah they they figure out some way to work and cooperate together without communicating it's very interesting yeah like if it wasn't smart. so sad that they're killing someone's pet, it's it's really kind of fascinating that they're so smart that yeah. they would play dead. There was a guy yeah. that uh, used to work at this pet store that I go to, and uh, he uh, also worked in a veterinary um, center, uh, medical place, and a pit bull came in, big one of those big jack pit bulls, just covered in cuts, it cuts all over its body. And uh, the owner was, you know, they asked the owner, like, what the fuck happened? He goes, I don't know. He goes, I, I came home. and He's covered in cuts. I, I really have no idea what happened to him. So they stitched the dog up, like hundreds of stitches all over the dog's body. Then he takes a, a walk outside of his house and he follows his dog's blood. And he goes up into the hills near his house and he finds nine dead coyotes. That pit bull was gangster. Apparently. (laughs) He just went on a tear. And he said it looked like Vietnam. It looked like a fucking, like, Saving Private Ryan just ripped apart coyotes. Nine of them. This motherfucker just went mauling. Yeah. They must have been so bummed out. They're like, we can get this dog. Yeah, there's nine of us. We're good. We're good. We got this guy. Yeah. And then you see this fucking fire hydrant head just (laughs) that doesn't feel pain. They, they've engineered wow. those things. Like, there's some 
pit bulls. There's this pit bull. Uh, if you go on uh, Instagram, I I think it's I am the Hulk. That's that's the name of the pit. It's a 200 pound pit bull. Like they've gotten them to 200 pounds now. It's the most yeah. preposterous thing you've ever seen in your life. It looks like 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 Brock Lesnar if it was a pit bull. <laughs> It's like it doesn't even make any sense. You yeah. look at it like that. A pit bull used to be like a 35-pound dog. They used to be small. Yeah. The, the, look at that thing. Yeah, they're what fucking in the fuck? scary. Imagine if a coyote saw that. Fuck! Yeah, those Look bull, at that thing! Bull mastiffs are <laughs> fucking scary, too. Look at the size of that thing! Oh. Yeah, I had a mastiff. He passed away recently. He was oh, 13 sorry. years old. Yeah, yeah we had to put him down, man. It was really sad. He was... He was a great dog. Mastiffs are so sweet. Like, look yeah. at the size of that fucking dog, man. Fuck. <laughs> just yoked, too. Just It's a crazy 200-pound pit bull. It's just so crazy that they make them that big now. Like, a 100-pound pit bull used to be a big... I had a 90-pound one. It was a big dog. And yeah. I was like, wow, that's a big pit bull. And I'm like, yeah, it's a big pit bull. This dog's 110 pounds bigger. It doesn't even make any sense. Wow. <laughs> It's a fucking tank. Yeah, but that that's one of my favorite coyote death death stories. This guy going up into the hills and finding all these dead coyotes just laying in a pile. They try to ambush them. What they would do, they try to get one to come out and try to get chased. And then the one would run and then the other ones would jump it. They're like a gang, yeah. straight up. Yeah, it's crazy that they're yeah. they think like that though. Yeah. That they've actually they have actually have strategies. They're savages. Yeah. Well, that's like the downside of living in the suburbs. You know, the upside is you get a nice yard and you get a little view. And Yeah. I love getting away from the city or like, you know, if it's like studio or just chaos, whatever. Just going home and being home. Yeah, me it's too. It's nice. Do you, ever keep, do you keep a place up in Big Bear or anywhere? I don't. I don't you like, ever go up there? I don't really like traveling. Really? Nah. After my accident, I fucking hate traveling. Wow. Like I'll go on tour, but... I won't even look at an itinerary before I go on tour. I just kind of like, just tell me where to go. I'll be up. I'll be where I need to be. But yeah, like I don't want to, and I don't fly. You know, I haven't flown since my accident. So. Oh, wow. So all your touring you do is by bus? Yeah, by wow. bus. And then I'll take the Queen Mary 2 to Europe. But No way. Yeah. Do you take a boat to Europe? Yeah. Imagine if your boat sunk. And I you're know. On a fucking float raft going, I, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. But uh, you know what? I'd rather be on the fucking raft than fucking plummeting into the ocean at yeah. 100 miles per hour or whatever. You know. Yeah, I feel you. Um, That's but yeah, crazy. Like, I go to like take? Laguna for like like quick getaways, like you know, just chill out with the family. So if you guys have a gig in New York City, you have to start your journey five days early. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it's cool. The kids and I get to see a lot of stuff we don't normally see. Yeah. But I gotta really think about it, like like that fucking fire festival. Yeah, that they had booked us on, and I was like, I'm so glad because I would have had to drive five or six days, you know, to Florida to Fort Lauderdale, then get in a boat, and then you know get over to the Bahamas. So thank God, man, because I was I was literally on my way there. Wow. So when you do that, do you actually drive yourself, or do you have someone drive you? No, I'd be white knuckling driving the tour bus. Have you driven the tour bus? <laughs> no. It's fucking scary, man. <laughs> well, you're driving like this, yeah. right? I've done it like when, like when I was 19 or like 20 when I was on a tour. The driver let me drive, and it was the scariest fucking thing. I was like, take the fucking wheel, man. This is so scary. <laughs> like white knuckling, like just 
being in control, being responsible over that big of a bus and all of my homies or, you know, all your friends are sleeping in it. Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, gosh, man, I give it. Bus drivers are, it's a hard fucking job, you know? It's a hard And they drive job. for, you know, I think, you know, we usually do eight to 10 hour days a day yeah. in the bus. It's a long time. It is a long time. It's, so, it's quite a drive. But, and, and, and you know, they have to stay awake and maintain their focus. And yeah. I don't know about you, but when I see those white lines, there's something about that. It's not good for me. I start nodding. Yeah, it's like hypnotizing. Yeah, almost, right? it is hypnotizing yeah, for me. I could do like two or three hours and I'm cool. I don't exactly. want to, you know. San but, Diego is about as far as I want to drive. Yeah, they're built different. Yeah. But, and I know... Fuck, you know, they say it's way more dangerous to be on the road in a bus or mm -hmm. in a car than be in a plane. But um, I don't know one day. I always say, like, if my kids want to fly one day, maybe I'll be down. Yeah. But the thought of me leaving to go play some show or do something cool and something happening while they're at home, like, fucks me up. Right. So I don't really do it. I know what you mean. I can only imagine. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to understand what you've gone through with that kind of an ordeal. Yeah. A plane crash where your friends died and the pilots are dead and, and you managed to get out alive but almost lost your foot and burned half your body plus, yeah, you know, fuck, man. It's crippling, but I try not to let it be too much of a handicap. You well, know? it seems Besides, like you've like overcome. But seem, well, you seem like you got to work around. Yeah. You, know, you figured it out. Yeah. But Australia can go fuck itself, huh? I wish I could go. I <laughs> Dude, I love Australia. I love Japan. Yeah. Fuck, I love Japan. <clears throat> yeah. Do you guys go there for UFC fights? Yeah, I have been. Yeah. I fucking love it there, We did man. a UFC in uh, Tokyo once. It was great. I honestly wanted to move there. <coughs> really? Went. Yeah, I loved it so much. You know, David Lee Roth moved there for a while. Yeah? He he moved there to take sword fighting classes. Fuck yeah. Moved there with his dog, <laughs> got oh. an apartment. He is the, have you ever talked to him? No. He is one of the trippiest fucking guys. I just got a message really recently that he wanted to talk to me. And so they gave me a phone number for him. I sent him a text message and never heard back. It's like, I wow. might have to call him. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to miss it out. So if Dave, if you're listening, I, I tried twice. Yeah. But he said he wanted to get a hold of me for something. And they, they, gave him a num they gave me a number to get a hold of him. But he's one of the more interesting people I've ever talked to in my life. Yeah. He worked as an EMT for a while when he'd just gotten out of Van Halen. Really? Yes. Like a, an actual EMT, like helping people. Like in New York, and people be like, "What are you fucking David Lee Roth?" And be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, get, we're getting you in the ambulance. Like, keep, keep it together." They were like strapping people to a gurney when they had accidents and shit, and fucking date. You imagine you get in a car accident and fucking David Lee Roth is yeah. there to help you. You're like, "What? What am I? I must be dead." Yeah, this isn't real life. Imagine, wow, fucking David Lee Roth. Like, That's you're gonna be awesome. fine, buddy. Yeah. That's legendary. I love yeah. that. I love. He's a trip. Know. Yeah, that'd be a great interview. Moved to Japan with his dog. Just just hung out there. I go, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking kendo lessons. He's taking sword fighting lessons from a Japanese master. Whoa. So every day he'd be taking, whoosh, 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 taking fucking kendo. Sick. <laughs> he's a he's the real deal, man. Yeah. He's a real deal. Like a real eccentric, but a really friendly, really interesting guy. Yeah. What That's a trip. awesome. Yeah. I love when someone is like that. Yeah. You know, like your friend that hasn't talked for 22 years. I love shit like that. Yeah, you don't hear about that. Like, no. Or someone that'll stop being in Van Halen to go fuck with swords. You or, know? or Tom. <laughs> like, yeah, to go fuck with aliens. Yeah. yeah, goes fucks with aliens. Yeah. Do, you, do you think they're really bringing him to the Pentagon and shit like that? I don't know. Because he said I, they I have, like... I have no clue. And I, I had watched a little bit of your podcast where you were like... Oh. <laughs> 
And you sent me a text message. Why are they they picking you? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, you know, but I feel like he's made himself readily available to do that shit, you know? Like, I don't know. It's a, it's, I I sit and scratch my head and go, I don't know. I don't know know either. I just fucking, he's such a talented, talented dude too, man. He's like such a good songwriter. Yeah, he well, he certainly is. He's certainly a very talented guy. It's it's just so interesting that that's his main point of focus. Yeah, you know, I would think that if if aliens were real, Trump would have told us. I really do believe that. Yeah, that guy is he's such a fucking loose cannon. He became the president. Like maybe they hid it from him. Or as fucking chaotic as shit is right now, it yeah. would some I don't know something would slip. You know, I yeah, I would think that if they told him, if they brought him, those are those two things I would want to know. Who killed JFK? Those are two things I'd want to know if I became the president. And yeah. are aliens real? What do you got, motherfucker? Yeah. What do you got? I go to the top generals. I bet, look, I'm going to defer to you guys. I'm not a military expert, okay? I, mean, yeah. and I don't want war, but uh, I, w- I want you guys to have support. I got full respect. Tell me about the aliens. <laughs> what do you got? What is this? Trump orders establishment of Space Force. I mean, he did that. That's right, the Space Force. Yeah. But that's because yeah. there's that's actually a military strategy Maybe. because they're concerned that as technology improves, Russians are going to be in space and we're going to be in space. Or, and, or fight off the aliens. Yeah. Right. Like Will Smith type shit. Yeah, look at him. Yeah, Mike Pence is behind him going, Jesus is going to save us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man, but yeah. if I became president, I never will. But if I did, those are the two things that I'd want to know. Who killed yeah. JFK and where are the fucking aliens? Do you think they know? Do you think they know anything more than regular people? Because you got to feel like they come in every four years. Someone would open their mouth. Somebody knows. Somebody knows. I don't know what did Elon Musk say? He's an alien. Yeah. Bro, so he's not going to rat on his friends, right? If you, <laughs> you drive that car. I'll give you the key. Just yeah. take it for a tour. Or just uh, take it for a spin out of here. I will. That fucking test will make you believe in aliens. It doesn't even make <laughs> sense. It, it does not make sense. I feel like I'm driving a computer when I'm in a Tesla. It's it doesn't insane. make sense. Yeah. It's like every car other than that seems stupid. So and is this the first cars. one you've had? Yes. Wow. I and dro- you're just completely in love with it? Sold. Wow. Sold. I drove one. There was a rental car company that was sponsoring the podcast, and it was like uh, like Uber for rental cars. They would drop off a rental car, and they would... Do you remember the name of that company? I don't know if they're around anymore. Yeah, I'll look. Anyway, um, I said, yeah, I want to try a Tesla. And I drove it. I was like, it was kind of interesting, but this was years ago. Like maybe five years ago was that? Four years ago? Five years ago? It it wasn't as impressive, but now I got the Model S P100D. This is what he told me to get. So I said, yeah. all right, I'll get it. I drove that thing. The moment I drove it, the very first the, the first couple of feet, you're like, what is happening here? Like, why is this going so fast? It doesn't make sense. It's effortless. Wow. Like, effortless. Like, every other car on the road has to accelerate. It's like, bang, bang, bang. This yeah. car's, shoo, it just, wow. it's instantaneously going 60 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like it's it's happening in, like, blink, blink, 60. Yeah, and fucking smooth, and just you can't hear anything. Effortless. Yeah. You don't hear anything. It handles great. It's quiet as shit. It's comfortable. Yeah. I'm fucked. Because I'm, I'm still, a, dude, I'm a gearhead. I'm yeah, like you. I know. Do you, you still have that blazer? Yeah. Dude, that's dope. Yeah, I tried building like my icon version of a blazer, you know? Who built that for you? Uh, his name was Delmo. He was over here in the valley. So he did the LS swap 
And then I had another buddy of mine paint it. And then I've just kind of like did ground up like suspension. But I feel like I should have replaced the chassis and done everything like that if mm -hmm. I wanted it to be like a true icon. But it's a bad fucking truck. It's, it's so It's a dope fun. looking truck. Yeah. There it is. That yeah. is so sick. It's so fun. You know, Icon's done some blazers. Yeah, I saw one they did afterwards. Yeah. Oh, so you have it. It's a full convertible, no hard top. God damn, that looks good, dude. Yeah, I put a soft top on it, like a bikini top. Mm -hmm. um, but summertime, I just take it all off. But I have roll, a roll cage, too. Sick. I love it. I, yeah. I love the lowered ones, too. Like, the slammed ones are so nice. Yeah, but go I'm back actually to these, like, though. That's so nasty, man. Is that the color? You have, like, a matte? Yeah, like it's a like charcoal? a matte, like, charcoal Mercedes gray. God, that looks good. Yeah, it almost pops wheelies. It's so fucking strong. <laughs> it's so much horsepower. Which engine did they put in there? Uh, an LS3. Oh, okay. What is? How many horsepower is that? I think I'm at like 700. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. But besides that, you know, I had like I had like 16 old schools. I've actually... Do you really? I actually fell out of love with them. It's kind of weird. Or I think I've spent like my time with them and I'm ready to like separate from them and move on and maybe like get other stuff or like... I don't know. I feel like it was a moment in time, though. I was like, kind of like hood rich in a sense, where mm -hmm. I put all my money into cars. Right. Like before I ever bought a house, I had like four caddies, you know, and I was living <laughs> in like a two story, <laughs> a, a, a two bedroom house, you know, with a bunch of friends. But um, dude, that old red one behind you is dope. What is that? Yeah, I still have that '53 uh, Chevy truck. Oh, that it's looks bad. so cool. Icon does some of those too. You ever see the Thriftmaster? Thrift yeah, Thriftmaster is so He's got tough. one for sale right now. I saw it. Yeah, somebody uh, had one built and then just never drove it. And, yeah. and he's selling it. It is nasty. Dude, I go over there and window shop all the yeah. fucking time. Have you time. met him? Yeah, he's Jonathan? super cool. He's very cool. Bro, he drove me yeah, in the Thriftmaster. That one's available right now. Look at that fucking thing. He drove me in one of those and was like hitting corners at 70. <laughs> like I fucking almost lost my breath. I was like, this motherfucker is... It's crazy, but they really do perform. They're oh, great yeah. fucking cars. Even my Bronco, even though it's so high, yeah. it's so high off the ground, you would think that thing handles like shit. It handles really good for, for something like that. Is it like stock, how it comes from Icon? Like that same height, or did you do anything to it? Stock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just does them all that way. Yeah. And uh, I was originally going to get an FJ made from him, and Sick. I went there, I saw the Bronco in person with that matte silver, and I was like, holy shit. I was oh, like, is that Dude. what you did? I go, scrap the fucking FJ. We need to get this going. So yeah. did you Did you do the whole build out? Like you, mm -hmm. you, how, how long did it take? Well, I was on a, you're on a waiting list for a long time, and then I think the build took close to a year. It's like close to a year. I'm so fucking by. impatient. Yeah, me too. But the key is like have it in the then just forget about it. Yeah, because then time goes by. Do you drive it a lot? All the time. I drive it to the comedy store like two or three nights a week. Sick. But since I got the Tesla, I'm telling you, man, really? it's ruined me. Fuck, it's ruined me. I'm a gearhead. Yeah, I like old school cars. I have a '65 Corvette with an LS1 supercharged. Nice. I drive that all the time. Side pipe, you know that cool yeah. silver shape. I love it. But it seems so dumb. Yeah, it seems so dumb once you drive a Tesla. Wow. It's effortless, dude. It just goes. Whoosh, yeah. Whoosh. It's like you're on fast forward. I need to check it out. Everybody else is living in the past. Yeah, like maybe last year, I used to have a um, the Wraith, like the Rolls oh, Royce. Oh, that's a sick car. It's a bad car, yeah. Did you have the ceiling with all the lights? Yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like space. It was so sick, but um, my buddy my buddy John said, hey, let's, let's swap cars uh, wherever we were driving, so I did. And I was tri I was I was really impressed. It was it fucking it was really really fast. On Which the one did he have? Did he have the 100D? 
I imagine it's the one before the one you're talking about because it was a couple years ago. Those were fast. Yeah, but it was still impressive, you know? Yeah, those were fast. They're still fast, but this one is fucking stupid. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah. you, it's like you're defying what you think a thing can do. And it has that big fucking screen where mm-hmm. it has all your yeah. co- Everything. information. Yeah. yeah, they're dope. He's, a, he's definitely a legend, man, Elon Musk. He got his blowtorch too, like he's fucking right there, going baby. nice. Yeah. <laughs> he lit that fucking thing up in the hallway out here. No, yeah, I thought he was gonna burn the building down. I haven't even lit mine. I'm so afraid. My son's like, of course, an animal. I don't want him to know how to turn it on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He he gave it to me and put the fucking fuel in it and everything. I was like, all right, thanks. That's crazy. Like he comes bearing gifts. Yeah. How how many people give you a blowgun, a, a blowtorch gun? I know. What would you call it? Torch gun. Blood. What would you call it? It's not a blowtorch. Right. No, what does he call it? It's not a... It's not a blowtorch. Yeah, not a blowtorch. Is that what it's called? That, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it wow. is. There's a crazy picture online that we put up of him shooting that fucking thing out in the hallway. And you're like, you can't tell him no. You know, like no one tells him no. He's got security yeah. around him and all these fucking, all these mercenaries with guns. No one's really? saying anything. <laughs> he rolls hard, dude. He's Elon Musk. Yeah. He's worth billions everywhere he goes. I mean, he's, he's got to have security everywhere. Guys come before him and case everything out. What yeah, shame. look at him. <laughs> <laughs> what an iconic photo. <laughs> With the freak party sign above his head. It's almost like we oh, planned man. it. And Steven Tyler, that's Steven Tyler's mugshot in the background. Crazy, man. He's the outtakes a- from your guys' interview, too, where he's just like, fucking stoned beyond his mind and shit. <laughs> so great. I don't think he got stoned. He I didn't? Don't, I don't think he really inhaled. He took like a, t- a tiny puff. I think he puffed it like a cigar. Oh, okay. I don't think like he really smokes weed. Didn't inhale. He drinks. We right. drank. That's what was interesting about that, the the blowback or the backlash is that we drank for two hours before we even busted out the weed. But wow. the weed was like, what are they doing? The guy takes one hit of weed. What are they doing? Yeah. And then, and then it went crazy and stock plummeted six percent and but it went back up to nine percent and you're the supposed next to day. smoke before you drink right i don't know i think you get really fucked up if you don't smoke a lot and you smoke after you've been drinking really it's a wrap yeah oh yeah i don't know he never seen i don't think it affected him he's like wow. mm. but he's so uh, his brain is wired so different you know what his brain is like it's like you ever see like uh okay no disrespect to Pete Holmes, but you know Pete Holmes, the comedian. Like, look at his body, and then look at Usain Bolt's. That's how I feel, like, like the way, if they had a race. That's how I feel, like, with my brain in the room with Elon's brain. I was like, well, these are barely the same thing. They're, they're barely <laughs> nah, the same man, thing. man, you keep up, man. Like, you, you've had some crazy guests that are talking about atoms and fucking the universe and whatever else, and you're always... Like, you, you keep up with everybody. It's an illusion. I don't know. I, I just memorize things. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. They, <laughs> they understand the actual concepts. Yeah. You know, I might be able to repeat things that I've learned and read, yeah. but I don't know what the fuck I'm really talking about. They know what the fuck they're re- Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like if someone never did jujitsu before and they want to talk about choking someone out in a triangle and I hear them say it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. But they don't really know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then if you talk to Hoist Gracie and he tells you how to choke someone out with a triangle, like this motherfucker did it. He yeah. knows how to do it. He does it all the time. Yeah. It's a different conversation. You know, so that's the difference. Like me, I'm like a spectator talking to these geniuses. But right. I'm just trying to pull information out of them. I'm just trying to get them to talk. 
You know, yeah. I just try to know a little bit about what they're talking about. The guys that were on, uh, I don't know, what was it last week? The guys that were talking about like longevity, like living yes. a long time. Yeah, David Sinclair. Yeah, he was. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. Fascinating, right? Yeah, super yeah. fascinating. Yeah, there's, I'm glad there's people like that out there. I think within the next 15 to 20 years, people are going to start going back in aging, like legitimately. Yeah. They're going to be able to not just slow down aging, but we're going to see like 60-year-old ladies that are hot as fuck. Yeah. We're going to see 60-year-old ladies that look like 32. I really believe that. Yeah, I do too. Coming around the corner. Especially like how he was talking about mm. that diabetic medicine that he takes. like Metformin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but wild. apparently um, that stuff has negative impacts on athletic performance. It's one of the things that I was curious about when, when he discussed oh. it. And Dr. Rhonda Patrick sent me something on it. And Ben Greenfield actually brought it up on the podcast we did a couple days afterwards. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I don't think it, it's, it's probably good for longevity, but not good for athletic performance, which is... Uh, I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah, and he's probably not really concerned with athletic performance. No, yeah. no, he barely worked out. Yeah, and he wasn't into working out hard either. He's like his his deals like just maintain a little bit of exercise just to kind of keep the blood moving. But a lot of those guys that are these super genius sort of uh, longevity experts, they're just interested in how you can slow the clock down as much as possible. Yeah. And then there's other people like Ben Greenfield or like um, Rhonda Patrick. They're more interested in performance. Like what is, what's the best thing for you in terms of for your mental performance, physical performance. I'm more in line with that, but I'm, but I'm also, I want to know what these guys are working on. Yeah. The, like the David Sinclair's of the world, because he's at the top of the, you know, the tip of the spear when it comes to longevity and, and gene editing. And, you know, yeah. they, what they're talking about is being able to inject certain, what, what, what it was like certain genes or bacteria that carry genes. It's going to fix eyesight. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. crazy. Like people that are blind are going to be able to see again. Like, yeah, Damn. they're, they're going to be able to do some mad, mad shit. As long as human beings don't, we don't figure out, I mean, we don't nuke ourselves or fuck the world to a point where, you know, scientific research halts. If these guys can keep going, if we can make it to the next 50 years, people are probably going to live to be 300 years old. Wow. Yeah. Nuts. Man, how smart. I love it. How fucking smart people are going to be if yeah. they're 300? I mean, think about how smart you are compared to when you were 20. Yeah. I was a dummy. Me too. I was so dumb. <laughs> I was so dumb, I'm amazed I'm still here. Yeah. Like I stop and think about how I used to drive. Oh, same. Oh, oh. Now you you have old schools. Do you have hot rods? Do you have any hot rods? Nah, pretty much like slow and low, like old mm, schools. Those are know? safer. Yeah, I had a couple Impalas. I just got rid of uh, two of my Impalas, and I have like a '53 Caddy. I still have. I have a '64, uh, a '60, a '53 truck, and a '41 Caddy. Ooh, 41 cat yeah it's nice man it's really fucking nice but it's like a three speed you know what i mean like it's like it's you know no uh old school, no old power school. steering it's like it's oh, wow. yeah you gotta know how to drive so yeah i still have a couple that i'm holding on to but i no really power steering the steering wheel must be giant it's gigantic it's so <laughs> sketchy to, to drive but yeah i'm gonna bring like i'm gonna bring a couple out i have a um I have a festival that happens in March called Musink that's like tattoos, music, and cars. Oh, wow. So I bring a couple of them out there. Where's that at? Uh, Orange County Fairgrounds. Oh, all right. Yeah. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I'm slowly, I really just, I don't know. I want a simpler life, man. I want to be able to get in a car and not worry about if it fucking breaks down and I can get to point A to point B with how busy I am. I don't know. Dude, but, stay the fuck away from that Tesla. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> it'll ruin you. Oh, yeah, there she is. That's yours. Wow, that's beautiful, yeah. man. What a car. What a, I mean, what a, like, a, not just a car, but a window into time. Yeah. That's history. I mean, back in 1941, that's what people drove, man. That was the shit back then. People tooling around Manhattan in one of those. Yeah, I love seeing those, you know, the movies that take place during yeah. those time eras, and they find all those classics. It's so cool. You know what was great? Um, the more recent version of The Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio when they drove those cars, but it was a weird movie because they made those cars almost like modern. Oh. It's very strange. That's how Romeo and Juliet was too. The one with um, the one with Leonardo. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Did you notice that all the guns in there were super ill? Yeah, yeah, all yeah. All the cars. Like, yeah, yeah. They, it's like sick. They yeah, did it was like some futuristic. Yeah, some weird interpretation. Yeah, but that's still his like car. time period correct, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's time period correct. But when he drove that car, it drove like no fucking car. Yeah. Like see if you can find a, a scene where he actually drove the car because it sounded like it was supercharged and it's flying and it's, yeah. it's handling well, but it, it's all like cartoonish almost like everything, the scenes where like when these, they're driving these cars, they're nothing like those cars were back then. Oh yeah. Cause they don't move like that. No, especially <laughs> you know, unless when they're you, on the road. Yeah. Unless you do like a LS swap and you redo yeah. everything. Like when they're on the road, like these fucking cars didn't drive like that, man. Yeah. They didn't, they'd have skinny ass bullshit tires. Yeah. They barely could brake. You hit the brakes, it took forever to slow down. That was a great movie though. Yeah, those are sick. Yeah, see, they're all going sideways around corners and shit. Nobody did that back then. It was weird. Yeah. It's weird how they do that with movies where they, they have this, like they're having a race. Yeah, we're racing. <laughs> Remember that? Electric car outside will blow by these motherfuckers. The problem with those those Teslas is that once you get in one, other cars just seem kind of dumb. They seem kind of old. Oh, I bet. I feel like it's you're stepping into the future when you yeah. drive those. Anything else wouldn't seem even up to date, you know? But there's something about cars like your 41 Cadillac that have a thing to them yeah. that you're never going to get from a new car. Yeah, you know what's cool about those is like when you're in those, you're not concerned with whatever's on the radio or talking on the phone or yeah. I don't know. You're into just like you're content with just hearing the car yes. and driving. You know, driving is fun. Yeah. Whereas like if you're just in a... 2019 Chevy truck, you're not going to feel like that, you know. But if right. you take it that far back, just the smell of them, everything. It's a, it's a, it's a vibe, and it's just I don't know. It's, you can't compare it to anything. Yeah, when I bought my '65 Corvette, the first thing I did is pull the radio out. I said, "Get that out of here! I don't want to yeah. hear that radio. It's unnecessary, really. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear those side pipes and the wind. And yeah, but it's it's going to be a thing of the past, man." I, I really firmly believe that now after driving this car, I think, you know, 50 years from now, those things are going to be, it's going to be like seeing some guy drive by on a Model T. Yeah. You know, engines are going to be a thing of the past. It's probably better for the environment anyway. Oh, for overall. sure. Overall. Anyway, I think that's it. Let's wrap this up. Dope. Dude, thank awesome. you so much. Oh, it was really a glad we got together, yeah, man. I really pleasure, appreciate man. you, man. It was of very, course. very cool talking to you. Awesome. Likewise. Um, social media, your Instagram is just Travis Barker. Travis Barker. Yep. And do you use Twitter as well or just? 
Yeah, same, same Travis thing, Barker. Travis Barker. Yep. Beautiful. Thank cool. you, brother. Really yeah, appreciate it, man. It was Thank fun. You.